Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Love last night. And uh, we get a text right away here from the 314. By the way, our new text line is 314-399-9646. Jump in the show at any time. We'd love to see what you guys are thinking. But from the 314, yesterday Jamie said that he liked how Santini was not afraid to shoot the puck and it created scoring chances. Well, it happened, and it led to a goal. It did. I love it. Steven Santini, the great Santini, as I've been joking for a couple of years now, he looks comfortable out there. You, can I ask you a question, Anthony? If you're watching the game last night and you see Tyler Tucker and Steven Santini on the ice together at the same time in the third period, what does that tell you? Something has gone horribly wrong. Okay. Or they earn that they earn that ice time, and these are guys that now Craig Berube is finding a lot more trust in. Dang it, get that guy a beer. Yes, that's it right there. Craig Berube and the coaching staff have enough confidence in those two young guys. Because remember the first couple of games, I know you were talking about it in the office the other day. Absolutely. That you noticed that Santini and Tucker were being, you know, kind of uh, mixed and matched with the top four guys. So they never played together, which is something that Joe Quenville did with myself and Chris McAlpine when he rotated us through with McInnes and Pronger when we were coming into the league and whatnot. So... What they've done, though, since that point is they've earned Craig Berube's trust so much so that in a tie game last night against a team that's just ahead of you in the playoff race, they're on the ice together. That says a lot about the players, and it says a lot about the confidence that the coaches have in said players. How about the, the impact that the fourth line had? You don't win that game without them. Alexandrov has been uh, phenomenal for the St. Louis. How about Torpchenko since he's come back from the American Hockey League? Not only is he big and fast and running over everything, he's getting points. He's making a difference. He's making good hockey plays. Craig Berube keeps going back to that fourth line whenever he needs a boost to his team. Whenever he needs to, you know, kind of get the guys going, the fourth line has been used. So overall, last night watching that game, first two periods, would like to have that a little bit better, a little more sound, a little better hockey. But the third period and the, the the fact that you got efforts from so many different guys, I said that speaks volumes. And what I like about the fourth line is those guys are, you, you can find them right in front of the blue paint. They're going to the dirty areas. That's how they're scoring these goals, and that's how the Blues are going to win. Not by the flashy goals, which you'll find here and there, but going to the, he- or going to the net, driving hard, and, and banging home the, the loose change. That's what it's all about. I don't know how you guys felt. I actually thought the first period... The Blues, at least the start of it, the first 10 minutes or so, I thought the Blues were were dominant. I don't know about a dominant. They were, they were good. They were in control, I felt. They yeah. were fine. Um, yeah. You know what, Marshy? That's a really good way to look at it. Anthony, they were fine. Okay. Okay. Um, Things I do went feel, sideways after that. 
I do feel like the wheels fell off a little bit there, in particular in the second period, just giving up too many opportunities, not generating enough, not sustaining any offensive zone time. There's some puck watching there, too, in front of Bennington. Yeah, a little bit. Poor Jordan Bennington. He's left out to dry a little bit again. But, uh, and in particular, like the Manjapani goal, uh, that, that right there. That was the third goal. Yeah, it encompasses everything that the Blues have been this year to where they had four guys, five guys in the picture. Nobody had him, and he was five feet in front of the goalie. You had four guys that were either two guys were like touching the crease and two guys were like right beside the goaltender's crease. Anthony, what do we say to those guys? Get the hell out of here. You're not a goalie. Mm -hmm. Why are you in my crease? Bennington should be slashing all of them. You want to wave your stick at Kadri and throw a water bottle? Throw at those guys. Get out of here. Go grab somebody. I got the blue paint. All joking aside, that's kind of, you know, you look at that and you're like, ah, and it's like the most dangerous area on the ice. Ah, not a great look. But Bennington still came up big at different times, and they managed to get the win. That was huge. A comeback win specifically for this team this year where they've been behind. They have not been great, uh, and they pull it off last night. Was that the goal, too, where they had the two? There's four guys essentially in front of Bennington. Yeah. Two for the Flames, two for the Blues. And it was just a bunch of— Four guys from the Blues (laughs) and two from the Flames, and one guy all by himself. It wasn't good. So actually, that was a different goal than I'm talking about then. Because the Flames had two guys and the Blues had two guys, but it was kind of a situation where it was like, yeah, we got him. I've got my guy. Yeah, this no, isn't this isn't basketball where you're waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're yeah. waiting down low in the paint and, and you, you feel like you're you've you, you you're playing good defense. It was just it was the ultimate screen. I can't remember if that was the Lucic goal or the Backlund goal. I think it was the Backlund goal uh, to make Backlund it up 2-1. Goal. The Lucic goal was off a rush where he gets the nice right. so pass the B- from our guy, the scumbag Kadri, who passes it, and Lucic goes backhand up over. It was a really nice goal. So it was the, it was the Backlund goal. Two guys in front of the net, and the Blues had coverage. Uh-huh. It just there wasn't there wasn't a lot going on, and it wound up being a, a, a deflection goal yeah, for Backlund. deflects it up top there. Yeah, Braden Shen guilty on that one, by the way, because – um, he's trying to get the stick. He's trying to lift it up. Tyler Tucker did a great job of boxing out the Flames forward on that one. Big mm-hmm. and strong in front of the net. Put the stick out. Be like, eh, 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 not going anywhere. Then Backlund gets a stick on that one. But, you know, hey, look, Braden Shen knows what he's doing there. Yeah. Uh, it also was a deflection that was like six inches off the ice. So it's not like the stick was right there. Tough play. Well executed. Uh, but the bottom line, for me, the story of this night is that you needed the two points. It doesn't matter that Calgary got one point. I know they're ahead of you in the stands. It would have been nice to reel them in. They're not your only competition. So you have to keep your eye on the prize, which is making the playoffs. So for me, it's getting two points against the team that's ahead of us in the standings and then the comeback win. Being able to get down a couple of goals, not drop your head, slump your shoulders, drag your stick. That's not the version of the Blues we got yesterday. The version of the Blues we got yesterday was we got one period left to go here. Let's put our friggin' foot on the gas and let's see what happens. And that's what they did. They almost won it outright. Kyra loses control of the puck on the offside goal. It was a great call. Mm-hmm. It, it's yeah, the right call, great. you know. Um, but nonetheless, you know, it shows just how much they turn things around to be able to get to that third goal and then win it in overtime was great. Yeah, they battled through adversity. They did. They did. A, they did a great job. It was a fun win. Four-three win over the Calgary Flames in overtime and these two teams will play again tomorrow night pre-game like starting at six o'clock i like it it's a great start to Bad a home start yeah rematch Just stay away from lucic that'd be nice huh <laughs> stay away from him that guy's pretty good at hockey well you don't wake him up anthony no. those are the guys that 
um, back in my day, uh, the tough guys would come in and be like, whoever, let's say it's Probert. Although we didn't really worry, we had Twister, so it didn't really matter. We had the biggest nuclear weapon on the ice. But if Twister wasn't in the lineup, whoever hits Probert, I'm fighting you here in the dressing room. <laughs> Don't you wake that son of a batch of biscuits up tonight, okay? You let that guy sleep. Rivers, if you hit him, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. I guess I'll just go hit him in the first period then. It's the fast lane on 101 at ESPN. That is former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stolter. Carlos Correa. He passed his physical with the Twins, so huh. he will be it's different in Minnesota. A Minnesota Twin. What do you think their process is like in <laughs> I Minnesota? Don't know. Like, hey, he's got a heartbeat. He's good. Uh, he's passed. He Does passed the physical. Quick pat down. I guess. Ooh. I mean, what? It, it just doesn't. Make, it continues to to befuddle me. Or is it because he was with that team before, and therefore there's different criteria? I don't know. I'm making I no this idea. up, Anthony. I have no idea. How though? So, so he was supposed to go to the Giants first, then to the Mets, and then he winds up with the Twins. So he winds up in the American League. What's the domino effect for for a team like the Cardinals in the National League? Is there one? We'll talk about it next on One Hundred and One ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on One Hundred and One ESPN. Twins are more comfortable, and they're also more familiar with his medicals, having had him last year with the team and having seen him over the course of the entire season. And one thing we have to remember, this is an injury that happened in 2014. This is in the minor leagues. He's played eight big league seasons, and over the course of those eight big league seasons has not spent any time on the injured list because of this injury it's essentially a projection by doctors and listen medical information while the mri is always going to look the same it is always up to interpretation and every team has a different threshold of what it's willing to risk that's jeff passan espn mlb insider he was on sports center with jamie rivers and anthony stalter so the twins re-signed carlos correa to a six-year 200 million dollar contract with a vesting op with vesting options for 2029 2030 2031 and 2032. Correa's physical exam, which is the biggest issue in San Francisco and New York, respectively, that went well with the Twins, went smoothly, and it is official. Carlos Correa returns to Minnesota. He'll get a six-year, $200 million contract that can escalate into a 10-year, $270 million deal should he vest all of the options I just mentioned, as well as incentives. So here's where I, I... I want to get some clarity on some things. And I don't know who to go to. Andrew, maybe you can help me out over the next couple of days here. I feel like we need to get somebody on the fast lane here that can educate us as to why he failed the physical in San Francisco, why he failed, and I'm using the word failed, why it wasn't okay with the Mets, and how come it is no problem with the Twins. I'm curious as to what the answer would be on that because I'm wondering if it's just the teams that are looking at it and the doctors are like, eh, you know, I don't know. And the team's like, nah, not going to touch it. And the Twins are like, eh, he played here last year, played every single game that we put him in. We're good. We know he's healthy. We know he's fine. We have no worries. Like, I'm wondering how all of this makes sense because otherwise it's like, what are we doing here? Like, I'm taking crazy pills. Two teams failed him or wouldn't sign him because of something, and then the Twins jump up and go, oh, I'll take some for right. $200 million. 
I'm assuming exactly what you just alluded to and passing and kind of indicated it during, during that, that cut. The Twins had them a year ago. They feel good about it. They probably had, I think, I think all athletes, Jamie, you can, you can tell us, all athletes have to have to do a, a, a final season exam too, right? Don't they have to go, don't you guys have to go through a, a final exam? Yeah, an exit. Yeah, the exit physical? Yep, the exit physicals because teams then, so what happens with the players' unions now is player has to be taken care of. So whether it's on an existing contract or an expiring contract, uh, upon the exit physical, if there's a surgery or a cleanup or something that needs to happen for the athlete, the team has to make sure it happens so that the athlete isn't like six months later trying to get his surgery done or it's right. or training camps rolling around and he's hurt and he should have had the surgery and you didn't tell him to. and like So, yes, the exit physical will be like, yeah, you got to make sure you pass all of these things. So we, and especially an unrestricted free agent or a guy that you think is opting out, like Correa at the time, although they didn't know exactly, I'm sure they probably thought, they're going to make sure that you're dotting the I's and crossing the T's because if he can't sign a contract somewhere because of something you screwed up, the union is going to absolutely pulverize you. So let's put the, the puzzle pieces together. He has his, his year-end physical. They check everything out. He, he goes into free agency, goes to San Francisco, they don't approve the physical. He winds up in New York. They don't approve the physical. They show some interest in him. They give him another physical, and everything checks out like it did in that year-end physical. They go through the check check marks. Check, check, check. We're good. Here's our offer to you. He accepts. Done deal. I, this this kind of reminds me a little bit. Not, not the exact scenario because Drew Brees didn't have to go through all of this. But when Drew Brees hurt his shoulder – in San Diego, when he was a Charger, I think he was in a Pro Bowl game, and he left, he had free agency. There's two teams that were really interested in Drew Brees. The first one was Nick Saban's Miami Dolphins. The second one, as we know, was Sean Payton's Saints. When he got to Miami, Drew Brees reportedly really wanted to play for the Dolphins. And the, the, the team doctor said, okay, here's the deal. We know that you're interested in Drew Brees, and we also know that you're interested in Dante Culpepper, who played for the Vikings. He was coming off, Culpepper was, an ACL injury. And the doctor told Nick Saban and the front office for the Dolphins, it's more likely that, that you will not have medical problems with Dante Culpepper's knee than it is Drew Brees' shoulder injury. How'd that work out? Because at the time, the doctor was saying, I, there's kind of no precedent for the injury that he suffered. This could this could be a problem. He's a quarterback. You know, Dante Culpepper a little bit different. With the, mm. We've we've got a track record of of athletes per, still performing well after the ACL surgery. Wow. So the rest is history. He's still working for the Dolphins. He goes <laughs> Drew Brees. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've had some medical issues there, huh? Yeah, that's right. Same guys. To, oh same guys God. approving the the Tua same situation. So Drew Brees goes to New Orleans. He wins the Super Bowl. With, but that that was the story there. My point in in all this is that when you're a, when you're a doctor, I would imagine you're trying to forecast whether or not an injury is going to be is going to be problematic. Some team doctors will say, "Yeah, I wouldn't do it," while others would would say, and this would apply to Minnesota and, and Correa. You know what? The ankle injury doesn't concern me long term. Okay, so here's what um, our text line, which is awesome. The Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. Several people mentioning this and did a little back search on it. And here's apparently what it is. And this, I'll just read this one from the 314. It said, this would be the answer. The injury happened in 2014. 
When you have a surgery, you put a plate in whatever it has a shelf life. The Giants and the Mets doctors felt like an 11, 12, or 13-year contract, the shelf life of the plate in his ankle would deteriorate, and therefore maybe the athlete wouldn't be able to perform to that level. So the six-year contract kind of fits within the window of the the shelf life of that plate. My next question. Great. Thank you very much. Text line. Thank you. Everybody. Great. Why wouldn't the Mets just say, okay, we'll do six years then? Mm-hmm. Steve Cohen literally said, we got him. We got Correa. Yeah. 12 years, whatever. Why wouldn't you say, okay, um, we'll do the six years. Same deal. We'll give you the same deal as the Twins. Give yeah. You. Why wouldn't he do that? Maybe there was pushback and the Mets moved on. I don't know. There's more. There's it's clearly very, more to the story. It's confusing to me. It is. Something's yeah. not adding up in all of this. That part that part that you just read, you're right. That Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But to your point, how badly do you want to play for the, the Mets, Carlos? Well, he was like, that's what he wanted the most. You Maybe the Mets your, were like, screw it. We're just not, not going to do anything now. You want to be with your guy, Francisco Lindor, that's your buddy. Okay, Maybe the Mets had an opt-out for the club after two years, after four years, after right. six. Maybe they did that to him, saying we got to protect ourselves. And he said, "No, screw that. Sure, the Twins are going to give me six years and a full no trade." Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe he did get the best offer from the Twins. Maybe it's an ego thing. Maybe it's an ego thing. You don't want me, fine. Twins do. I'll go back to Minnesota. Well, apparently here from the three one four, and I have to do some background check on this, of course. But they said the Mets tried to do a six year deal at one hundred fifty million, but got outbid. I have a hard one. I don't okay. think you're wrong, tax line. But two, I have a hard time believing that would happen to Steve Cohen. His ego is way too big to get outbid on a six year deal By for anybody. a guy that he wanted so badly, especially the Twins. Yes, especially <laughs> the Twins. <laughs> By the way, Mr. Cohen, you got outbid by the Twins. Right. What? They're still in the league? Huh? What? (laughs) The The Twins? Uh, The the, the Vikings? Those Uh, guys that own that? No, not those Twins. The Minnesota Twins. It's like, which Twins? All right, we've got Craig Ruby coming up next. Very exciting victory for Chiefs team last night. We'll talk to him about this, this recent solid play from his guys. And, you know, what? hey, what's what's it like right now in the locker room for this Blues team playing well despite losing some of their players. We'll talk to Greg Ruby about that next. Empty right now. I want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time now for Chatting with the Chief with a coach of your St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube. Brought to you by Fisher Window and Door, your Marvin dealer with showrooms in Brentwood and East Alton, Illinois. With former Blues defenseman, I almost said defensive end. You could have played defensive end. No, I'm not nearly big enough for that, Anthony. Maybe as a stand-up outside linebacker or something? I'd like to be the place kicker. Okay. With a good old mustache, cigarette hanging out, and a single bar across. Okay. I just kick field goals. That's all I do. That works. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Let's head to the Brown and Kruben celebrity line and talk to our guy, <laughs> Craig Berube, the head coach of the Blues. Uh, Chief, how you doing? Good guys, how's it going? Good. Since I since I opened this this conversation up, what what other sports did you play growing up, Chief? Uh, a lot of ball, a lot of baseball, a lot of uh, baseball, and then I, I switched to fast pitch fastball. Mostly, uh, you know, that in the summertime, and then um, you know, hockey in the winter, and 
Then I, I got into golf as I got a little bit older, too. Chief, you ever play any lacrosse growing up? No, no, I wasn't out there at all. Oh, West, it was in the East, but, oh, you know, Western Canada, we really didn't play it then, or nobody did. Yeah, we played that growing up, too. We played on the field and then box lacrosse. It was kind of fun. I think you would have really liked it, Chief. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I've watched it and been around it. I mean, it looks like a pretty good game, and it's you quite can physical. get after it pretty good. Little, it's pretty physical, man. It's pretty tough. No, Chief, no football for you? Uh, no, no football. We didn't have any football in school. Um, you know, I watched the CFL a lot, though, growing up. We actually, uh, I enjoyed, you know, we, we'd play, we'd play pickup football games just, you know, on our farm and stuff like that, just screwing around, but we didn't play it as a sport. Anthony, it was Callahoo, Alberta. Uh, you didn't have enough people in the town to make two teams for football. Well, you know. Yeah, they were. They weren't a full team, but we didn't have no pads or nothing either because we're tough. <laughs> so, you know? so, Chief, when you're playing with your your buddies and stuff, were were you a quarterback? Yeah, because I could throw a ball. I can really rip it down the field. So I was a QB. Nice. There you go. <laughs> Big arm on Chief, huh? I like it, Chief. You guys here, an important part of your schedule. If we we dive back into hockey here. You have the seven-game homestand. Now six games left of that seven-game homestand. You get the two points last night. Going into this entire seven-game span, you know, as a coaching staff or as a team overall, what what was the message regarding these games? Well, I think it's the importance. I mean, but it was no more important than the last road trip either, though. Like, all these points now. And going into the message for me going into uh, this homestand was we're like we're one game under 500 at home, um, and we need to really push here. We got we got a bunch of games at home. We got to win games and get above 500 and keep keep going. You know, so basically, it's still game to game for me, and the, all the games are important here. You, we you see how tight it is. Um, you know, there's a pile of teams piled up in there with point, same amount of points, so. That's it's going to come right down to the wire, Coach. Just from the 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 standpoint of you lose a couple of guys, but man, Braden Shen and Brandon Sod, among others. I don't I don't want to you know not include some of the young players and you know guy like Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, but it seems like th- those two guys, Brandon Sod and Braden Shen, have have really stepped up on the ice. Have you noticed them also off the ice? Maybe take on more uh, of a leadership role, even even more than even even more than before with Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko out. Yeah, I think you know, anytime you lose players like we have, there's other there's other guys that are going to step up and do the job in the room and on the ice, and them too definitely have. I think you know, Falk's another guy that's really stepped up and um, grabbed the leadership role. Um, with guys out and with his play on and off the ice for sure. Coach, I'm looking at the fourth line right now, and, I mean, I just I love watching them play. You know, ever since Torpchenko's come back from the American Hockey League and now Alexandrov, who's jumped in and done a real good job for you. Like, is this kind of the fourth line you envisioned before about, you know, giving this team an identity slash energy? And I just – what are you seeing from these guys? Yeah, exactly that. I thought that, uh, you know, I used uh, Nicky uh, Alexandrov with Torpo and Pitlick for a couple of periods. I switched to Achari in a third with them. Um, 
you know, those, those guys and those four guys have really defined our, um, you know, fourth line slash third line role players and how we want to play with the four check, um, the physicality, and just the directness of the game. And I think that they've done a great job of that. Those four guys for me right now are in that category. And I throw Jake Neighbors in there too. Um, you know, just they're North-style players. They're going to the net. They're banging bodies. They're forward-checking hard. They're doing a great job in their own end. Um, and it's real good identity for us. So with the injuries that you've got right now, uh, fourth line and the young guys stepping up, which is great uh, up front as forwards. But on the defensive end, you know, your decor, it, it sometimes can be more difficult for these young guys to jump in the lineup. I mean, I remember jumping in when you're a young guy and it's, it's a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. The game is faster. The guys think quicker. But, you know, watching Tyler Tucker and Steven Santini out there in particular – they look pretty good. I really like the way Santini skates and not afraid to get the puck on net, and certainly I love the grid of Tucker. What do you guys think so far of these two guys? Again, yeah, it's a lot like them four guys I was talking about up front. It's just directness, and it's simp- a simplicity of the game. Like they, They're physical players. They take the body hard. They get a puck. They move it. They get it out. They get a puck on the point. It's going to the net, you know? And there's no other thought process. That's what they're doing. And it works. And, you know, they may not be the most talented guys, but they keep the game simple. And the directness of their play is driving our team, in my opinion, all these guys. It's driving our team to play a certain way, and it rubs off on everybody. Coach, you got Calgary Flames back-to-back here, uh, two games in a row, kind of like a little mini playoff series, I guess. As a team – what's the approach to this? Are you looking at, you know, just one game at a time, or are you looking at trying to accomplish certain things? Obviously you've got tape on these guys, but you had the tape to begin with before game one. You know, how do you handle these two game series? Well, we looked at, you know, you obviously watch tape. We look at the game. We played them in Calgary. We beat them. Um, We played a pretty good game up there in Calgary. I thought that uh, this game here, we got some real good video from it for uh, today, in my opinion, about what they're going to try to do, you know, to to expose us a little bit more. And, you know, we got to do a better job of, in my opinion, that we let them come at us too much with too much speed, too much rush attack. And we got to do a better job of that. That starts in the offensive zone with um, our forecheck. Uh, being a little bit more tight and we definitely did it in the third period we were a lot better but we got to do it the whole game you know that team came at us in waves the first two periods had us at our end too much third period we changed that but we got to make sure that we do that right from the start of the game tomorrow that's kind of where i was going next is that you know you guys came out you scored the first goal which is great then you get behind you know, what was what was the conversation like between the second and third? And you got to be happy that the guys battle back from a two-goal deficit, come back and win this thing in overtime. Yeah, I was not, you know, I wasn't happy. Even, you know, I, I expressed that for sure between periods and the, after the second period. Puck battles, we were low percentage puck battles. We weren't winning enough puck battles. We weren't skating. We weren't attacking. And I get it, you know, after a long road trip, sometimes you come home, you're a little flat. We looked definitely flat for two periods. Other than some of those guys I talked to you about, I didn't think they were flat. But, you know, the rest of the team was kind of flat. 
And I thought that we changed the, the tide of the game and how we were going to play it. We were quick in the neutral zone with the puck. We got it up. We attacked. We put it deep. We forechecked. There were some real good forechecks um, in the third period. And then, obviously, you know, we got a goal out of the of Alexander off there from a simple shot on net by Santini. Uh, the the goalie couldn't handle the rebound, and he goes to the net hard. We get a big goal there. That really that really gave us life and momentum. And I thought that uh, Thomas's line, you know, did some damage after that. Yeah. So the young guys, obviously, again stepping up and doing a, a real good job. But it would be nice to start getting guys back from injury. Obviously, as a head coach, you know, when you have your full roster, that's the that's the greatest. Uh, lineup you you can have. Do you ha- any injury updates for us? I mean, I know a bunch of guys on the LTIR. We don't have to talk about them, but you know, maybe Nick Letty. Any updates on those guys? Yeah, Letty. I'll know more later on today. Um, I, I right now I don't really have too much of an update on him, um, but I should have something later on today, which will really help for tomorrow and going forward here. Um, you know, things I think are going in the right direction he could be a he could be a player soon um bortuzzo it's he's still out for a bit and then you know logan brown skated today so he's kind of still in limbo on when he'll be back but it could be sooner than later and other than that i think you know the other guys are you know more so after the break all right well good that sounds like it's headed in the right direction chief we appreciate your time today good luck again tomorrow night man keep going out there uh and have yourself a good day all right thanks guys take care boys you too chief thanks that's craig Bruby here in the fast lane on 101 at espn we'll dive more into the blues and what a win last night come come from behind fashion they win in overtime so we'll uh we'll get a couple of different angles here with the blues throughout the course of the show but we got what's trending coming up next we're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now, brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. We got Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for Watch Trending. And guys, we were talking about the Dolphins earlier today. Uh, what a great staff they have. Uh, well, Tua training staff. Yes, Tua is uh, ruled officially out against the Bills this upcoming weekend, and uh, should be a fun one in Buffalo. This is going to be this is going to be a massacre. I really I really believe that. Dolphins going to win this game. No, they're not. You don't believe that. <laughs> you don't. You don't believe that. He didn't even nibble at no. all. The only the only way the Dolphins keep this one close is if they they run the ball and they run the ball effectively. The Bills, that's the one kind of Achilles heel that they've had recently. So maybe it becomes a time time of possession game and Dolphins can keep it close. Otherwise, you got Skylar Thompson on the road in Buffalo. The energy will be high. Oh my gosh. Bills Mafia is going to be through the roof. And I know the Dolphins hung with the, the Bills later on, you know, later in the season. It was really about a month ago. But that was with Tua. The one if you're gonna if you're gonna throw out like, hey, what's the one blowout this weekend? It's that one for me. Yeah, you're right. Good luck, Miami. Oh, I agree. 100 percent 
Well, the Bills also have some good news as well as safety DeMar Hamlin. He has been discharged from Buffalo General Medical Center, uh, and he is... He's heading home now, guys. So after the, the scare from not uh, this past mon- Monday, but the uh, the Monday night football game against the Bengals, um, he, he's back home now, which is, which is huge. That's amazing. It really is. To see this this young man uh, able to return home after all the, uh, the, the, the tough times since going down on the field, I can just imagine where his head has been at to be laying there. Um, and then in the ambulance and then, you know, obviously breathing tubes and intensive care. And you, there comes a time and a place where you think, am I ever going to get out of here? And will I ever live a normal life again? To be determined, obviously, for DeMar Hamlin, just what you know lies ahead for him. But he's home. He's home. That's the main thing. They are, the medical staff is obviously encouraged enough by what they see that they're like, yeah, you can go home. Uh, I think it's amazing. I think it's awesome. Um, I'm very, very happy for for him, for the Bills, and for his entire family. I hope he has a full recovery. I hate that this happened to to him. He's playing a game that he he loves. He he aspired to be, you know, a pro football player. Becomes a pro football player, and he has this happen to him after making a pretty simple tackle. I mean, it was just a very random thing. Yeah, routine tackle and. You know, his whole life changes. Mm -hmm. I really hope he has a full recovery. And again, I hate that this has happened to him. The fact that we we watched as as the football the football world kind of became unified here, I think is it's it's just remarkable. The the men and women that were able to react like they did, you know, the, the the paramedic staff, the training staff. The, the football players to recognize that this was a different injury to to have them come on the field quickly but but the the, the men and women from you know doctors and nurses just a remarkable job all, all the way around i'm so glad that he's able to go home so happy for him and the family and i hope that we continue to hear positive nothing but positive stories for demar hamlin and his family Guys, according to The Athletic, ESPN Network's average 17.2 million viewers for Georgia's blowout win over TCU in the national championship game on Monday. Uh, It was announced that this was the least viewed championship game since the BCS era began in 1999. Uh, The last national championship with the lowest viewership was the Alabama versus Ohio State game in 2021 which was 18.65 million and the 65 point win uh, or uh, the points that Georgia put up was the most ever in a title game in the BCS slash college football playoff era if you count it as a bowl game too and it's not really a bowl game but count is that was also the largest deficit ever in a bowl game yeah Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised it's terrible no but but hear me out like what was my attitude heading into the game it's gonna be a blowout if I if my job didn't consist of paying attention and watching and being a part of it and actually kind of being, you know, invested in it a little bit, I probably wouldn't have even watched it. Mm-hmm. I would have been watching some other hockey game on or whatever at that point. So I imagine a lot of the viewership was probably felt the same way. And then I, I would be curious to see what the number was at kickoff and what the number was at halftime. At halftime. Yeah. I bet you 17 turned into like eight. <laughs> yeah, it's unfa- look, it's unfortunate. It does happen. It's 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 the beauty of live sports, and it's also one one really you know unfortunate reality about live sports. 
you're not talking about a movie where you can script things and you can have a, a Hollywood ending. The semifinal games were outstanding. Mm-hmm. The, the, the championship game wound up being an absolute dud. It happens. We've talked about that. I said this yesterday. It used to be, Jamie, you kind of remember this. A lot of the 90s Super Bowls were blowouts. Oh, yeah. The Cowboys dis- dismantled everybody that they, they faced, uh, the, the Bills, uh, the, the Broncos. The only the only game that wound up being, I, mean, I guess you have to include the Rams. The Rams and Titans was, was the 99 season. 2000. But it was the uh, 2000 yeah, Super Bowl. The Patriots was the 2001 Super Bowl. So, so if, you, if you just include the 90 Super Bowls, I think the only one that wound up being compelling – was Elway and Favre, Broncos, Packers, in 97. I can't remember another really close Super Bowl. Because you had the Cowboys-Bills Super Bowls. Yeah, the, the last one was Broncos. Elway won the back-to-back. So it was 98 Super Bowl, 99 Super Bowl. Elway won the back-to-back. But the second one against Falcons was a blowout. So you you wind up getting, you know, the, the Super Bowl was rarely close in the 90s. It was kind of a joke. Like the champ, championship Sunday was you better watch that one because that those are going to be your two good games. Super mm-hmm. Bowl's not. It's just the unfortunate reality. Sometimes it happens. 91, the Giants, 120 to 19 over the Bills. Oh, Giants-Ravens was 2000-something. That was, was like the, 34 uh, to nothing. 2001. 34 to 3. 92 was Washington, 37. Buffalo, 24. I mean, Buffalo was in half of the Super Bowls in the 90s. So Sure. <laughs> Didn't win one. I, I guess the Norwood game was close. Yes. Well, of, unfortunately, outside lights. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that close. <laughs> this also wasn't a chip shot. That's his job, Anthony. Yeah, he's paid to hit those. He's paid to not have a pulse in that situation. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he did. Yeah, he did. Poor guy. <laughs> For the <laughs> bills, at least. Do you think those games are too long? I didn't feel like that one. That, the only well, thing, yeah, because you only watched half of it, Anthony. The only thing that was <laughs> kind of good. The national championship. The national championship game. Like, yeah, they wind up being really long. Like the the semifinal games. I mean, that final kick in the Ohio State Georgia game came at midnight Eastern time. Right. Like that should not be happening. No. Why is the game going on that long? They got to cut down the commercials. They're so long. Move some of those commercials in game. Let's see. Let's see if uh, Stetson Bennett can deliver just like UPS does during the Christmas time. You want to make sure that you head to UPS.com. Like, you know, like kind of weave it in a little bit. Yeah, you or see just have it playing in the corner of yeah. the screen. You see it now in baseball. You see, well, in hockey, too. They do that now. They got the little, sure. uh, little bumpers there, whatever they call mm-hmm. them. All right. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Speaking of hockey, is there pressure to win without your top veterans? We'll get into that conversation as it relates to the Blues next on 101 ESPN. It's always pressure. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You know, anytime you lose players like we have, there's other guys that are going to step up and do the job in the room and on the ice. I think Falk's another guy that's really stepped up and grabbed the leadership role with his play on and off the ice. That was Craig Ruby who joined us in the first hour of the Fast Lane with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. If you missed any of that, don't forget we put we podcast the show. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tyron Auto Centers. 
be listening to the entirety of that interview that we did with Chief. And that was that was based on a question that I had asked him, Jamie, about Braden Shen and Brandon Saad stepping up not only on the ice but off the ice. Yeah. Do you think that with the let me ask you this as a former player with when when a couple of key guys, a couple of veteran players go down like the like the Blues have had now with Tori Krug, Vladimir Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly. Is there a sense in the locker room of expectations dipping a little bit or is that just kind of a narrative that we buy into as media and fans? There's not really a sense of like how it's dipping. I think there's a sense of um, we got to step up. Like that's the number one thing I, I remember when guys got hurt that were either playing ahead of me in the lineup or other guys that were in the lineup is, all right, like, it's go time. We thought we were playing hard before. Well, whatever we can do to elevate, we need to continue to do that. And, hey, you, you're in the lineup now. Or, hey, me, I'm in the lineup now. Time to make a difference. Don't try to be those guys because I did that. Remember as a young guy stepping in trying to do too much, and it was disastrous. Mm-hmm. I – I almost like wanted to quit the game. I was like, "That this is the worst hockey game I've ever played. I'm just going to see myself to the door forever. <laughs> but I didn't do that, obviously. Um, but I learned from that experience and learned that just do what you do best and bring your element to the team. If you do that to the maximum of your ability, you're going to help the guys around you, and then they know exactly what they're getting. That's going to be tough, though, right? Because you want if you, if you know that you're going to have increased ice time or you know that you're a player – I don't even want to call it a role player because Brandon Saad's not a role player. He's yeah, he's, he's a, a third liner though. You get you see these two guys go down, and you're thinking, okay, my my role is going to expand yeah. here. I'm going to get some top line minutes. Yeah, or I'm going to be on you know a line that's going to see it's going to be one on the Brett Braden Shen. The expectations have risen for our line, maybe not for the team. I get to do more. I imagine that's just kind of human instinct. Well, it is okay. So if I. I'll walk you through how I felt about it as a young guy and how I learned from it and to do better the next time that situation came up is Al McKinnis got hurt. And uh, I remember, you know, the Ottawa Senators were coming to town and I'd been elevated to the first power play. I was a power play defenseman in junior hockey, power play defenseman in the American Hockey League, not really a power play guy here, second unit from time to time. But now I was like, bam. Not you're the go-to guy, but pretty close. Mm-hmm. You're on the first unit. You and Pronger are power play, blah, blah, blah. Well, I thought I have to do what Al does. I, I've got to make sure that I'm the guy, you know. But it was the wrong way to go about it. And, yes, you have to raise your your level of play. And, yes, if you want to grab more ice time in the future, like forever, to continue your ascension in the league, it's just in small increments, though. It's not like jumping over the Grand Canyon as far as a difference goes. It's just taking little steps, improving one aspect of your game or being more reliable against the other team's top forwards or making sure you get the puck through to the net on the mm-hmm. power play. It's not, hey, do everything on your own and you better carry us. That's what ruined me in that moment. And I remember going to the rink the next day, like two and a half hours before practice, and going out on the ice. I was so angry. I was I was angry, so upset at myself, and I didn't have to be that way. I learned from it, and, and so then moving forward, an opportunity presented itself in the future. I learned that I can make a difference just incrementally and bring just a little bit more to the game and then continue to increase that as you go. If the time is extensive, like if it's a six-week injury or a four-week injury, you have some time there to build up your resume or your play. And so that's what I think what we're seeing here from the Blues. It's not it, it's not like they're 
drastically changed it. They're not. Brandon Saad's playing exactly the way you wanted him to play. So was he under underperforming before? Maybe a little bit. He is getting more ice time now, more opportunity, but he's playing the way Craig Berube described. He's a straight line, get to the net, using his speed. All the all things, the same, yeah. all the reasons. That's why you, you signed him. That's right. That's why you gave him that contract. Braden Shen. Oh, he's getting to the dirty areas. He's winning bat. Really? That's, that's Braden Shen. Sure. Now they're just doing it more often because they're on the ice. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I look at it. So when you look at this Blues team, if they're pressured to win without your top veterans, well, there's always pressure to win. I was kind of joking heading into the break. There's always pressure. There is. I mean, you look at the standings right now, the Blues are tied for the second playoff spot with the with the Edmonton Oilers right now, two points behind the Calgary Flames. There's a whole bunch of teams there, like Chief mentioned, jumbled. you got Nashville at 44, Colorado at 43. Those teams have some games in hand. You just have to worry about winning your next game. And right now the Blues have to focus on the Calgary Flames uh, coming or that are in town tomorrow night. And these guys have to continue to step up, have to continue to do their job. I mean, that's all there is to it. We had Jake Neighbors that's stepping up. And I like the way, you know, Craig Berube talked about, you know, putting Noel Achari in between Tarpchenko and Alexandrov and then the young guys stepping up. So, yes, there's pressure on the veterans, but there's pressure on the entire team to perform and kind of keep this boat afloat while the other guys are injured. It's kind of a snowball effect, too, I imagine, because when you are losing, I feel like there's this inherent nature to focus in on yourself. Even the guys, that sounds selfish, but I'm sorry, I'm not from a competitive standpoint. I know I'm not playing well. Team's not, the team's losing. I'm not playing well. This is what I need to do. I need to do that. I'm not, I'm not playing up to my ability. So you go inward and you focus on all the things that yeah. you, you know you're struggling with because you know yourself. When, but if everybody does that, that's how the losing continues because maybe you're you're pressing too much. And I felt like yeah, we were seeing know. that a little bit with the Blues early on. I, and we're not seeing that now. So I, I don't necessarily disagree. No, However, I don't agree, though. No, no. Um, Anthony, you don't have to throw things. I was just, gonna, I was just going to re- just say it. reinforce your point here. Okay? <laughs> Anthony, look at me. You're not wrong. Okay? Anthony, I worked hard on that rundown. <laughs> I know he's he's throwing it everywhere. By the way, it's temper tantrum in here. He's still mad about a Twitter question or something from yesterday. <laughs> Either way, um, <laughs> wasn't a question. I don't know. Actually, you know what? It was a question. I step away for one segment. My gosh. Anyways, things happen. No, but I think it's important that players listen for a team sport. For the team to be successful, the individuals have to play well. So if individually you're not playing well, you have to focus on yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to focus on myself, just worry about the team. Well, if you continue to play like crap, you're not helping the team. So it doesn't matter how much you love the team and it's team first mentality. It's me first playing well helps the team second win hockey games. Right. So you have to internalize that a little bit. Where it gets tricky, though, is when it's just negative after negative after negative. Too many guys that are sitting there angry at the world. And that's where the coaching staff, where it's so important that guys like Steve Ott, Mike Van Ryan, Craig McTavish, veteran guys, heck, even the trainers, Ray Barilli has been around forever, forever. Since I was 19 years old, Ray Barilli, the trainer, uh, has been around. The equipment guy, Richie Matthews, has been a part of what three Stanley Cup championship teams. Now, it's amazing. It takes an entire village, trust me, to run a hockey team. And, and Al McInnes and other guys that are around – noticing guys are gripping the stick, they're struggling, they're angry, they're losing their stuff, they're slamming their sticks, they're doing what? Okay. Those are the guys. Let's talk to them. 
It doesn't have to be a major, hey, let's go to lunch. Let's talk. Because then it's like, oh, boy. It actually, that what happens then is like accentuates the situation. And so it even makes it even worse. Just grab a guy. Talk to him. Hey, man. Hey, relax. Here's what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. You know? Slow down. Or right now, yeah, those plays aren't working. Keep it simple. You know, get the puck ahead or shoot the puck on net. Or, there's a, The whole group can help each other. But I do think that individually you have to put the pressure on yourself to continue to play well and at least be pulling your weight within the team. Yeah. Well, we're seeing that now. Yeah, we are. And it's great. And, and it's not, and then it becomes, it's not a focus on so much of, well, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. It's just, hey, we're winning. Let's go. Let's keep this thing rolling, huh, boys? And what the, the beauty of what's happening hey. right now, hey, is that you're getting it from everybody. You know, like your bottom six forwards are just as important right now in different ways as your top six forwards are. You've been relying on the Shen line and the Thomas line to try and, you know, kick your offense into gear. But while that's been going on, your fourth line has been doing some damage. And they continue to do damage with solid play and with speed and physicality and playing that very direct game Craig Berube's talking about. And, yeah, you don't have Letty. You don't have Krug. You don't have Bortuzzo. I'll take Bortuzzo out of it because kind of a meat and potatoes type player as it is. Krug and Letty are very unique. They're very good puck-moving, skating defensemen. Maybe you don't have that in Tyler Tucker. He's a good player. He moves the puck solid, but he keeps it simple, right? Steven Santini, I think there's more there. I think Steven Santini is an NHL hockey player. Time will tell. He needs a longer runway here to see what he can do. He skates well, passes the puck well, shoots the puck. He's not afraid to engage. He's got good gaps out here. I think there's more there for Steven Santini. But nonetheless, he's able to take those strides and keep it simple enough right now so that the whole group can be successful. Blues, Flames, pregame, 6 o'clock tomorrow night, right here on 101 ESPN. Of course, the Blues Radio Network will carry the game as the Blues and Flames have their rematch from last night, a 4-3 victory for the Blues in overtime. With Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stoltz, we have the Sports 6 back next. Air Comfort Service text line is 314-399-9646. Again, 314-399-9646. Send in a question. Maybe you'll have it read next in our Sports 6 back. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery. Time for the Sports Six Pack. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Still an opportunity to send in a question for our Sports Six Pack. Anthony, I have a random question. Sure. Question number one. Okay. Oh, I nice. Mean, yeah. What the heck? Why Might not, well right? Count. Marshy, why not, it. right? Uh, what do you think the average cost is of a six pack in the United States? The average cost of a six pack. I don't know the answer to this, by the way. Bottles? Obviously, yeah. Let's do bottles. We're we're, we're fancy today. Mm-hmm. We'll go with bottles. Average cost of a six pack. I'll say nine nine sixty five. Hmm. Okay, Marshy. I was I was thinking because we're including with tax. We including tax and all the good stuff. Uh, just, I'm gonna uh, say. Let's just say what's on the price tag. How about that. Oh. 
I'm going to say 835. Hmm. All right. Uh, well, as I look through here, it looks like like for Bud Light or Coors Light or one of the bigger brands, um, based on this, it says a six-pack is five seventy nine. The average yeah, cost. Right. I don't believe that to but be he's, true. But you're but you but highlighted average. average domestic yeah. light yeah. beer. So we've included at least my answer included at like every six-pack kit and caboodle. Right. Domestic, yeah. born. I know. I'm trying to, um, like in Canada, it's twelve fifty-five. It's about right. It's about right. So, I would I would venture to say that in the United States, and I don't have the information. Obviously, this wasn't prepared. It's really from the hip. Um, <laughs> I'd be willing to say that it's probably about nine bucks. I think that's I think that's accurate. Yeah, I don't usually buy a six pack. Right. Because I usually don't feel like. It stands much of a chance. A it's going to be enough. Yeah. That's warm up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's been a while since I bought a six pack. Marsha, what are the kids doing these days? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think they're they're some are getting some seltzers. Oh, okay. uh, wow. Anthony. Which actually those Ouch. those cost uh, a decent amount. Alex Ferrario, big seltzer guy. Is he? I believe so. Uh, I can't do those. Okay. Um, nah, you know what? I think. Uh, they're just buying all types of different beer. Okay. Well, I, the- I personally, I'm not getting a six pack. I'm, I'm probably getting a 12 mm-hmm. or an 18. I just, six is not enough right. to, yeah. because then you're going back and you're like, eh, you yeah. know, then you start doing the prices. You're like, is it really worth it? Right. Yeah. All right. Text line jumps in here from the 314. I was just at Schnooks and got a six pack for $7.99. So that's good. We don't know what okay. it was. Yeah. But eight bucks is right in and around, um, you know, what we're talking about we're yeah we've we've surrounded we got the we got the cops <laughs> surrounded though oh boy that's a couple of good texts anthony yeah mm-hmm. yep all right marshy as six, we were six packs are mid LOL. <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> question number two <laughs> all right we got one from the 314. Why don't you guys hold Mo accountable? <laughs> <laughs> well, we did get a question, though, earlier. I, I don't know if it's Marcy, the same do you guy. Have the audio? The full audio? Yeah. Uh, we can't do that in the Sports 6 pack. Why not? I, we can we can, we can can toss Maybe through it later in the show, though. But we, For those that don't know, I went on a bit of a rant at the end of the show yesterday because <laughs> I, I got a, a tweet by the same person that I, I always do. I had messages do. coming left and right. People were like, Anthony's attacking the listeners. <laughs> not the listeners. Or just crazy. Just one listener. You have, to, you have to download the podcast. It's at the end of the show yesterday. Went on a bit of a rant. We were having fun though. Everybody's laughing. Marsh was laughing. So Grant funny. was laughing. I was laughing. It was all in good. Time. I laughed so hard today when I heard it. It was unbelievable. I went back last night after <laughs> posting the the show on breathe. for uh, the podcast, and I went back and listened to it a few times. I'm like, this is hilarious. And then we listened to it today again. When I was walking in, you guys were laughing. Yeah, and I, I <laughs> we had were no laughing because you walked in right as we were listening to it. Yeah, I was trying to recover. From not being able to breathe and laughing at your rant, Anthony. Was I wrong? No. No. Thank you. What's your question, Marsh? All right, so the actual question is from the 314. What if TCU had simply been ranked number four? It's a great question. If they were ranked number four, they would have played Georgia 
in the first semifinal game, or the for the, the semifinals, I should say, I don't know if it's the first game, second game. Assuming that what we saw on Monday night happened in the semifinals, that would have sucked. However, we would have had uh, an Ohio State-Michigan matchup again, so we would have had the rematch, and we've, we would have had the rematch in that playoff, in that semifinal game. Let's say Ohio State wins. Ohio State, Georgia played, and hypothetically, we would have got that semifinal game in the national title game. Everybody would have been happy. So to the to the question, we don't know what the result would have been. We don't. What but if it was a different game? If we just if we play it out the same, we, we play it out in a similar way. Mm. But Ohio State gets its rematch against it gets its uh, revenge against Michigan, and then Georgia and Ohio State comes down to the final kick. So to the question, <laughs> let me answer this directly. What would have happened had TCU simply been ranked fourth? We would have had one hell of a national championship game. Um, at least a better one. Sure. Hard, hard to beat that. Uh, or not, not difficult to beat the sixty-five to seven game or whatever we got. That was terrible. Anthony was a lot closer than what the final <laughs> score indicated. It really wasn't, Marsh. <laughs> really wasn't. It's remarkable is that Georgia's third and fourth stringers kept scoring did you know they were eating buffalo wings on the sideline i believe that they, they were going to the stands that. and they were getting buffalo wings and they were eating them on the okay, sideline. i'm out of the game in the third quarter yeah that's just wow georgia covered the over i think by on, the, on its own the game total on its own <laughs> it's a beat down text Pretty. line anthony i have to say this that they um they like your rant they Did like they? your aunt. Yeah, they said Anthony went off. His hands flying everywhere. <laughs> um, another one from the three one four. Bring back Anthony Salter today. It's the best <laughs> thing ever. Here's one uh, from the six three six. The rant last night was amazing. Play it again. We want the rant. We want the rant. <laughs> rant. 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 We'll get to it. Well, maybe we'll replay it. Well, we're, we're definitely going to replay it today. Yeah. Stay tuned. In its entirety. I'm going to force. This is where I'm going to just assert myself. That's fine. We can, we can play the rant. <laughs> Out of all my time, I've been on air 10 years now. This is the first time somebody's like, replay it. Replay well, something. the first rant you've had. I'm like, no, oh, that's no, not true. No, 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 no. I've had many rants. Not true. I'm cool. Good. I'm glad everybody enjoyed yeah. it. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> Do you think the tweeter enjoyed it i don't know i kept i i did check twitter late last night thinking you were blocked <laughs> ah, maybe i was <laughs> hold them accountable question number three speaking of that from the 314 anthony went nuts about a tweet at the end of yesterday's show it was about holding Mo accountable <laughs> if the cards fall short again this year for not having enough talent. I think the sentiment for the original tweet is whether or not the show, you guys, will put the full blame on Mo if slash when the cards run out of gas in October because Mo didn't build a team that can win it all. Is that the same guy? Your thoughts. Is that the same guy? That's my know. question. That's my first question. From the 636, they'd like to know if Ranthony Stalter can answer that. <laughs> That's funny, man. That's great. No, I'm not going to put the, the full the full blame on Mo. I'm not. Why wouldn't you? Because he doesn't take an at bat. He picks the guys that take the at bats. Though. He'll deserve. He'll absolutely deserve some of the blame. But he, I, the last time I checked, Mo doesn't step into the box. Okay, so if you go to a restaurant, yes. Okay, let's say it's a, a chain. Sure. Call it whatever. I don't want to insult anybody, so just whatever it is, chain yeah. X Y Z. We'll call it that. And. 
you get food that's cooked wrong or that's it's disgusting or whatever. Sure. Who are you holding accountable? The, the cook. cook? But only the cook. So you're going to go right back to the kitchen and complain to the cook. Did he cook the food? Did she cook the food? Then yeah. yes. But who I'm, gonna, not, I'm not going to complain. Who are you going to go to first? I would... Okay, so it, if I'm, if I'm person, in... What about the person that hired First the of all, personal... I'm just going to say personal. I'll answer that question. Personally... Like you're not going to. Personally, I just won't go back. That's what me. What's wrong with you? <laughs> okay, so personally, you won't go back. So now you've hold, you've held the whole restaurant accountable, but you won't hold John Mosaic accountable. You're just going to say it's the player's fault. I will hold John Mosaic John accountable. But the question was, will I put full blame on him? On him? No, of course not. Of well, course you literally, not. You literally protected him and said, does he take a net bat? Now you sound like the guy that was tweeting at me. Well, that's kind of the way I portray you. Okay. Paul Goldschmidt. Why would it, Why would I hold Paul Goldschmidt's performance against Mo? Well, he should be able to get guys that can hit in the clutch. <laughs> literally won an MVP. Did he win it in October? No, of course not. Mo's fault. Do you, th- do you think I have that much power? I almost, I almost, uh, I almost said, uh, I don't have that much power in my own house. Well, that's true. Hey, here's the power rankings in terms of like who's important oh, within my house. Go. My wife, my six-year-old daughter, my four-year-old son, my one-year-old son, then me. What about and this the, guy's like, you're going to hold Mo accountable? What about the fish in the pond? The fish in the pond, then me. There you go. I don't even know if we have fish anymore. Probably not. It's been cold. The way you take care of them. You know what? They've been fine on their own for a long time. They're great. Goldfish. <laughs> I swear they're like mutant goldfish at this point. I don't even know what they're eating out there. Each other. Probably. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. We never get food. Anyways. Question number four. Uh, this one uh, comes from 314. I mean, seriously, you, some people just want us to just blame Mo for everything. It makes them he, feel better. I think he should be blamed for a lot of it. Okay, a lot of yeah, it, Jamie. Yeah, but you want to absolve him of everything. It's not his fault. He doesn't pitch. He doesn't swing the bat. What you're doing he right signed now. signed an MVP. What you're doing right now. Where did MVP go in September and October, Anthony? Is, is what this tweet bag often tweets at us. Tweet bag. I think he's got a valid point. No, you don't. I really do. <laughs> you blame Mo for everything. No. This guy, by the way, also everything. blamed blamed Jeff Albert for everything well, offense. That... Well, he's a, he's a hitting coach. <laughs> well, if you're a hitting coach, shouldn't you be able to teach hitting? <laughs> you gonna I mean, teach you gonna teach Paul Goldschmidt hitting? In October, Nolan I'd like Arnado. somebody to do that. Yeah. You got somebody that's like, well, you know what? Uh, here we go. Well, you should hit. There you go. Anthony, how do you not hold the boss accountable? For I do a, hold the, You're not listening. You're I not, know what you're doing no, right now. No, I know what you're doing. You're not listening, and you're not listening on purpose. I'm looking right at you. And I'm I listening. hold everybody accountable for postseason failures. Yeah, but you seem to not really care that John Mosaloc is the one who put it all together. Well, why are we stopping at, at Mo? Why wouldn't we go higher than that, considering the payroll is set by ownership? The payroll, that's all business. That's financial side of it. That has nothing to do with player um, performance. Bill DeWitt says, hey, it's going to cost me this much. Mm -hmm. It's a number for him. 
Sure. And then John Mosaylock is the guy who attaches the player to the number. If player doesn't meet the expectations of the number, that's on John Mosaylock, not do it. What if Mo goes back to ownership and says, we need Aaron Judge? Yeah. Okay. He says, no, you can't have him. Go find me something close, though, John Mosaylock. Look, that's your job. There's to go nobody, find me another There's player. nobody closer. There's nobody closer. That's just a dumb argument, Anthony. Aaron Judge will make our, will make our offense better. Okay. What's your point? My point is, why wouldn't we go a little bit higher too if we're going to blame no, I think John Mozeliak for everything? I think it's dumb. Honestly, I do. I think it's foolish. You can't blame the people who all they care about is the financial side of. That's why they hired John Mozeliak to handle the ba- president of baseball operations. Sure. That's it. That's his job. So why doesn't the president of baseball operations in Philadelphia yeah. have the, have to work under the same? budgetary because the owner refrain. from his business model the owner said i'll give you whatever i'll give you stupid money mm-hmm. the owner here in st louis their business model is not we're going to spend stupid money it's here's what you're allowed to have now you're the president of baseball operations go find me the best players for this number right while other organizations many multiple are working with a bigger number name Five, Philadelphia, both New York teams. Name twelve. Atlanta, the Dodgers, the Giants, the the San Diego Padres. So just throw money at everything, right? So the Mets should have won the World Series last year. Now you're pivot. Let's stay on. Let's stay on argument here. Let's, I am. I'm literally stay, staying on it. Steve let's Cohen. Stay in debate. How, how great is that guy? Yeah. Huh? Oh, that's the owner you want involved, huh? Great job, Anthony. Not what I said. Let's stay. Let's stay in the debate here, Jamie. Let's not hop. Let's not hop around. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're going to the next. You're going to the ownership. You you're, just did the same hold on. thing. Anthony. You're going. You're going Stop to yelling at whether me. or not. No, I won't. You're going to whether or not Steve Cohen and that model is a is a good is a good model to follow. Anthony, you literally just said the Dewitt should be Steve Cohen. <laughs> I did. That's what you said. Let's go one step higher. I literally did not say that. If we're gonna if we're gonna blame Shame people, why don't you st- why don't you start at the top and then you work your way down? I did, and you know that president as of an baseball owner. operations. Yeah, as an owner, mm-hmm. I have an organizational sa- side of things, yeah. and I have an on ice product for the hockey company. Sure, I don't ask the organizational president to go and s- teach kids how to shoot the puck. Mm-hmm. Do I? No, they have their own categories stay off the ice and do your job properly i'll stay on the ice and i'll do my job properly so mr dewitt provided the money mm-hmm. necessary to what he believes can provide a good solid winning team sure now mo go do your job and fill up the, the roster what do fans complain about though everything what do the fans complain about specifically in st louis well, as, that it, we as don't it hold pertains mo accountable. to mo? that and why 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 is everybody mad at mo because money, he, money, 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 money. Because he doesn't sign people. He signs people that don't work. Maybe. He can only sign people within that budget that you talk about. So then to go back to the other argument I had is, okay, so the Mets should automatically win then. If they have the biggest budget and they go get all the best players, it it's should a be different automatic. Debate. That's a different no, it's debate. literally the same thing. You just talked about money. No, I'm talking about blame and where that like piece of the blame pie goes to. You don't even know. Everybody wants to blame just Mo. What I'm saying is blame Mo, the the person that's setting the budgets, which is ownership, 
And then eventually, oh, I don't know, maybe you have to work to the players if they don't get it done. As opposed to just saying, Mo's at fault for everything, and the media doesn't hold him accountable. I stopped listening. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Which teams have high and low expectations heading into the postseason? We'll get to that conversation next. You guys are such idiots. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Marsh, yesterday in the four downs, asked the question, who has the highest expectations among teams heading into the NFL playoffs? And I think we all kind of picked one team. And, and Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong, yours were the Eagles, and I, I hopped on board with that. I, I thought that was a good call because if you look at the NFC and the NFC being being down, the Eagles were the top team in that conference all season long. Maybe not entering the year because everybody yeah. thought about Bucks and Packers again. But very quickly, you thought, this is the team to beat. So I think the expectations are sky high for the Eagles. I think there's some some other obvious choices. High expectations for the Bills and Josh Allen. You've come close a couple of times now. Can you punch your ticket into the Super Bowl finally? Chiefs have high expectations because they're they're a great organization with perhaps the best player in, in the league in Patrick Mahomes. And they're supposed to be there. And they're supposed to be there. So the expectations are high. Where do you where'd you put the Bengals? So I put them somewhere. <sighs> okay, so if they had not gotten to the Super Bowl last year, which was a very big surprise, I don't think the expectations would be even that high. At twelve and four, you'd be like, hey, they're coming along. Mm-hmm. They're probably in the next couple of years gonna make some noise. But based on the fact that Joe Burrow is, I mean, an incredible young quarterback and he brought that team carried that team on his back to a super bowl last year and now they've gotten you know incrementally better in almost every situation and they still have joe burrow i don't know if the expectations are super bowl or bust yeah i still think it's in that in that that area of hey this is awesome we're almost where we need to be i still think they're kind of playing with house money yeah i mean that's kind of what i'm trying to get yeah. like I feel like the Bills and the Chiefs that's it when you talk about the AFC you talk about the Bills and you talk about the Chiefs because they're ready they're there it's their time the Chiefs have been there done that the Bills so close right mm-hmm. the Bengals you're like they could upset somebody right but you're not talking about them as like a front runner no, I'm with you they, they they weren't supposed to be there last year they pulled off a bunch of surprises they got there and everybody kind of rooted for them a little bit you know they rooted for them in the super bowl especially here mm-hmm. the underdog team that they got there with joe cool as as uh as their quarterback this year i didn't even think they make the playoffs i thought you're gonna play a first place schedule you're gonna get joe burrow killed you're not gonna be able to duplicate what you just did did you have fun last year great enjoy it and i was completely wrong now i think they're the team. They're the hottest team in the league heading in heading into the postseason. Went eight in a row. But that doesn't mean the expectations are high because, as you mentioned, the Chiefs and the Bills have higher expectations. Anthony, I think, I think the Bengals are like one of my farts in uh, early on in my fast lane career. Silent but deadly. And messy. Boy, man, they were and bad. Messy. Yeah, messy yeah, in your yeah, pants. I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lost the whole roll of paper towels that day. Sure, <laughs> we certainly did. It was gone for a full day. Yeah, yeah. I kind of put the 49ers in the same category Bad. because of Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. Silent but deadly. 
Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't describe them as one of your farts. I think mm. that's disrespectful disrespectful for a really great organization. I thought you were going to say disrespectful to his fart. No. It's disrespecting that 2A3 offense. Yeah. You jerk. What about the Vikings, Marsh? Oh, boy. Where Speaking would you put farts. them? Like, if the, expectation, if the expectations for the Bills and Chiefs are, like, at a 10, yeah. and the Eagles are at a 9.5 or 10, and the expectations for the Seahawks and Dolphins are a 0, yeah. where would the Vikings what? fit on that? Um, I think it depends on who you ask. Say, We're asking you. Me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Great. floating around a 3. 3? Yeah. Wow. I'm not saying expectations for them to win. I'm just saying where they where where do where would like the the expectation should be uh, from an outsider's perspective, not like from a for, Vikings fan. For Vikings fan base, not the crazy people, but normal people, what are their expectations for this playoffs? Like, okay, we got this is our expectations. We get a playoff game. Hopefully, we win, or we should definitely win at least one game or win two games. Like, one game for sure has to be the expectation. If you lose to Daniel Dimes. Jones at run. home. It's running all over That's the place. That's not good. You don't wanna you don't wanna lose that. Uh I think people are realistic though. When you look at their defense, they're literally the worst defense, in my opinion, in the league. So will that play in the playoffs? I don't Kirk think Cousins so. Probably is not. such a wild card too, though. My gosh. I think they should win the first game. They should. Beyond that. Beyond that, it's uh Hey, it's a crapshoot. We'll see what happens at the playoffs. <laughs> the offense, the Never offense is know. good. Defense doesn't travel for them. Mm. And once Kirk Cousins gets himself a nice 7:30 Eastern or 8:30 Eastern kickoff, it's gonna be all downhill from there. <laughs> you think so? Oh yeah. You don't. I, you're not buying into the Kirk Cousins primetime struggles. Some of the time, sometimes it's the defense fault, Marsh. It's because we're on the field the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to play great defense, play less defense. Kirk Cousins doesn't subscribe to that theory. Like, save me again. I'm done here. Defense, go get it. I know know Cyberg's going to be rocking on Sunday. That's the Vikings headquarters, huh? It's the the HQ. (laughs) That's great. All right. The fans in MLB have apparently spoken. Lars Nupar is the fourth best right fielder in the league, according to the fans that voted at MLB.com. Holy crap. Talk about that next. I want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Sends one out to deep right field at the wall. Gone! There it is! Newbar! The home run, and the Cardinals finally break through, and it's 2 1. New! New! Apparently, is the uh, top four right fielder in the league. What? Or is the fourth best 
right fielder in the league, according to uh, MLB Network. Okay, Anthony, you're going to have to clarify that for me a little bit here. I like Lars Taylor tattooing Newport. There course. is no doubt. Uh, he wasn't the fourth outfielder for the Cardinals at the starting of last season. And now he's the fourth best right fielder in the league? Well, according to the fans that voted on oh. this specific MLB.com Twitter They like to say, poll. Newt. Yeah. That's why. Uh, maybe the Cardinals fans just showed up for their guy and they overtook this uh, Twitter hmm. ranking. Either way, if you go to the MLB Network, it says this is how fans voted for the top right fielders right now. Number one, Aaron Judge. Number two, Bryce Harper. Number three, Mookie Betts. And number four, Lars Newtbar. Newtbar. (laughs) This is like um, the year that John Scott got into the NHL All-Star game because people messed around and got him voted Mm -hmm. in. Then the league was like, no, he can't play. And then there was massive blowback. What the hell? Okay. You you want us to vote? We got our guy in. And then he played. Yeah. And then he won the MVP. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is crazy. I so, uh, Again, I like Lars Newtbar, but this is insanity. Well, to, uh, to your point, you ready to hear the rest of the top ten? So these are the players that Lars Newtbar re- ranked ahead of. <laughs> Ronald Acuna Jr., <laughs> Kyle Tucker, Fernando Tatis Jr., oh my. Adolis Garcia, Starling Marte, and Nick Castellanos. Those are the players that... New so all really well-established players. He, all of them. Lars Newpar is not even an established major league player yet. He played well for half a season. And I'm happy for Lars. Like, It's going to sound like I don't like Lars Newpar. I, I think he's great. I love watching him play. I think he's... He's, he's not the fourth best. He's not the fourth best right fielder in the league. You're right, on, Anthony. Anthony. <laughs> we got a... Uh, if you look at the comments uh, below this, which are hilarious, this guy goes, Newt at four is a disgrace. Well, I wouldn't go that He's far. at least number two. Should have been higher. <laughs> He's at least. <laughs> Lars Newbar should have been higher. Shake my head. I mean, that's that's something special. But, look, this is, this is the fans thing, whatever. It's interesting. I will go back to the Sean Murphy reported <laughs> deal and the Danny Jansen reported deal. Reportedly, the A's wanted Newbar in a package for Sean Murphy. The Blue Jays reportedly wanted the Newt in a package for Danny Jansen. If those two reports are accurate, other teams see what the Newt brings to the table. Anthony, stop. Stop. Right Strong there. arm. Somebody that can lead off for you. Pepper grinder all over the place. People know. People know what the Newt does. Dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, good for Lars. I mean, I got nothing more than that. Good for Lars Newbar. I'm happy for him for getting on this list, whether it was um, fans just wanted to have fun or they like the name or they want to play around. I don't know. You look at that top ten, and then you look at number four in there. Uh, maybe a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, maybe. Right now? Um, yeah. Seems like a stretch. <laughs> Seems like a pretty big stretch to me. Just saying. Let's play along, though. What oh if boy. Lars Newtbar does play like the number four right fielder in the league? What mm-hmm. does this team look like? How does Jordan Walker fit into that? Because let's now is Tyler O'Neill the one that gets bumped out? What if he also plays well? How do you fit Jordan Walker into the situation then? Uh, or do you? Your your top listen your top the the three guys out of the four 
that are hitting will play. Jamie, you and I talked about this the other day. We got that question, which was, who loses playing time if Jordan Walker plays well? Is it going to be Tyler O'Neill, Lars Newbar, or Dylan Carlson? And you and I had the same reaction, which was that, yes. Yes. It, it could be any one of those guys. Yeah. I also don't expect Jordan Walker – Not I'm not reporting anything. I'm not a reporter. This is just my opinion. Are you breaking news right now? No. Okay. Literally the opposite of that. I don't think Jordan Walker – Starts the starts the season on the big league squad. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think it's going to be a, one of those situations. Why do you not like him? I like to call it the merry-go-round stop. I like to call it the merry-go-round, <laughs> uh, the Cardinals outfield merry-go-round from hell. Yeah. We're going to be playing that game again at the start of next season. Mm. Yep. So I want to clarify something here. Apparently someone from the 314 on the text line. Man, they've been getting after uh, everybody today. Mostly Randy and myself. Apparently Randy... Um, said something, somebody was great, and they didn't like the word great. Over and over again, great. Hey, Uncle Randy, how come I say great, great, over? Okay. Jamie, you just said Newt was great. Come on, Jamie, really? Great. Okay, well, I said that Newt Barr, you know, hey, he's a great guy for the Cardinals. He's a good fit. He's a good player. Great for him. I didn't say he's a great player as in fourth in the league for right fielders. Yeah, you said pause. Great. Yeah. Like Lars Newpar. Uh, great. Great. Yeah. Good. Good for him. Mm-hmm. So from the three one four, have yourself a great day. <laughs> oh man, you went there, huh? All right, we've got the gauntlet next. We got a returner in Don. It's Don, right? Don. Don beat Jamie yesterday hey, hey. in football. Football. It's Foosball. the new. It's the new gauntlet. Uh, random category. <laughs> So we'll see if Don gets either Marsh or, or takes on either Marsh or myself, and then we'll, we'll all find out what category it is. Gauntlet next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Can you survive the gauntlet? Four oh two. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. It is Gauntlet 2.0. We started it this week. Here's the deal. You get chosen for the Gauntlet. You get to choose who you want to face. You get to choose your opponent, whether it's Jamie, Marsh, or myself. The twist is the wheel chooses the category. So Don yesterday chose Jamie Rivers, and the wheel turned up football. Damn it. Don beats Jamie. He did. Now Don gets an opportunity in the second leg of the gauntlet, and there's only three legs now, to take on either Marsh or myself. Don, welcome back to the program. Hey, thanks for having me again. Would you like to take on Marsh today or myself? I'll go with you this time. Oh, baby, Anthony. Let's hope that wheel spins football again. All right, so here we got to no, that's the That's the philosophy. It hit football yesterday. It's hopefully not going to do it again today. Okay. But here's what we're going to do is we got to get – we got to start something. We're new gauntlet, all this stuff. So what we're going to do from now on is we're going to count to three, and then our listeners going to say, spin the wheel, Marshy. All right? Got that done? I got it. Should right. I? Now, yesterday we suggested that maybe I go to the cone of silence first. Yeah, get out of here. All right. Good luck, Don. Go football. 
<laughs> okay, Marshy. Oh uh, yeah. Are we ready? I'm ready. Count us down. All right. Or count me down. One, two, three. Spin the wheel, Marshy. <laughs> it's close. Oh, oh no, oh, no! no! Don, you will be taking Anthony on in hockey. <laughs> oh, baby. That's the hardest category there is, and I got a lot of people listening. This is going to be ugly. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right, Don. Um, for our listeners who are new here, as far as the point system go, there'll be four questions. If you answer the questions correctly without using the options, you get two points. If you use the options and get the question correctly, you get one point. And if you get the answer wrong, you get zero points. Don, you ready? Uh, yes. All right. Category hockey. Question one. Before Jordan Cairo wore number 25 with the Blues, what number did he wear? What are the options? All right. Was it 52, 33, or 71? Let's see. He's 25 now, right? So what are the options again? 52, 33, 71. I'll say 52. Final answer? Yeah, makes the most sense because he's 25. He's looking at 52. All right. All right. Question number two. Connor McDavid currently leads the league in goals, assists, and points. Who was the last player to finish the season leading the league in all three categories? Ovechkin, I think. And he'll probably be one of the options. Um, I'll say Ovechkin. Final answer? Final answer. All right, Don, question three. The fastest two goals in NHL history were scored how many seconds apart? And it's happened twice. Well, I'm pretty sure the Blues did it last year. Uh, I don't remember how fast it was. I Yes. All right. Was it four seconds, five seconds, or six seconds? Oh, I'll go with four. Final answer? Final answer. All right. Final question for you, Don. Who is the only Blues player to ever record a six-goal game? Jamie, you probably know the answers to all these, so luckily it's not you. <laughs> I, I would have definitely known three of them. Six goals in the game. All right, give me the options. Your options are Red Berenson, Brett Hall, or Perry Turnbull. I mean, when in doubt, go Brett Hall, right? So, there's Brett Hall. Final answer? Uh, yeah. Yeah? What are the other ones? Red Berenson and Perry Turnbull. 
What's your final answer? The first one you said. Red Berenson? Yeah. All right. Red Hall probably too easy. All right. Now we're going to bring Anthony back in here. He doesn't know hockey very well, does he? I don't know. Anthony's kind of a... Um... He knows just as much hockey as BT oh. knows soccer, which is a lot. So is we'll it see hockey? what happens. It's hockey. Did the wheels oh, show right. hockey? Yeah, it's hockey, dude. <laughs> that's right. I forgot you didn't know. Screw you, wheel. Oh, oh man. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Don, you want to do the honors, honors of telling Anthony what he should do here? Not win all and just not know anything about it. You need all the options. And you, yeah. And he should pack a lunch. There you go. All right, Anthony. Question number one. The category is hockey. Are we sure? Did must spin again? Nope. We're good. Before Jordan Cairo wore the number twenty-five, what number did he wear with the Blues? I don't know. What are my options, please? Did he wear number fifty-two, thirty-three, or seventy-one? Thirty-three. Final answer? Yes. Question number two, Anthony. Connor McDavid currently leads the league in goals, assists, and points. Who was the last player to finish the season leading the league in all three categories? Sidney Crosby. Final answer. Wow. That's aggressive. Question three. The fastest two goals in NHL history were scored how many seconds apart? It has happened twice. Options, please. Four seconds, five seconds, or six seconds? Four seconds. Final answer? Final. And final question, Anthony. Who is the only Blues player to ever record a six-goal game? Great question, Marsh. I've got a, I've got a name in mind. Can I hear the options? Absolutely, Anthony. Is that name either Red Berenson, Brett Hull, or Perry Turnbull? It's Perry Turnbull. Final answer? Final answer. All right, let's go over this. Let's start with question two. Connor McDavid currently leads the league in goals, assists, and points. Who was the last player to finish the season leading the league in all three categories? Neither of you used the options. Don said it was Ovechkin. Anthony, you said it was Sidney Crosby. The answer is Mario Lemieux. Mario Lemieux, 1995, 1996. Were either guy an option? uh, Sidney Crosby was an option. Yes. All right, 0-0 after one. Let's go to question one. Before Jordan Cairo wore number 25 with the Blues, what's the other number he wore with the Blues? Don, you said 52. Because 52, 25, he did the old reverse thing, Bob. Don used the options. Anthony, you too used the options. You said 33. The answer is? Hockey guy Anthony knew it. It's number 33. Number 33. All right, let's go to question number three. 
The fastest two goals in NHL history were scored how many seconds apart? And it has happened twice. Don, you said four seconds. Anthony, you said four seconds. The answer is four seconds. And you both nice. used the options on that one. So way to go, Don. We have a one-one game. No, two-one. Anthony, two-one. Anthony headed into the final question. Final question. Who is the only Blues player to ever record a six-goal game? Don, you hemmed and hawed, and then you said Brett Hull, and then you said, I don't know, and then you said, nah, not my final answer. Nah, I'm going to flip a coin, and if it lands this way, I'll say A, and this one will be B. And anyways, you ended up saying, I'll go with A, whatever that was, which was Red Berenson. Anthony you didn't really think at all about it you got the names and you said perry turnbull the answer is red berenson red berenson <laughs> we gotta walk off oh no all right don uh, here's how it's gonna work we're gonna ask a tie-breaking question anthony is going to write down his answer do not say oh, anything man. until we say don what's your answer you got that clear Got it. All right. And then closest to the pin on this will win today's gauntlet. Here is the tiebreaker question. What is the most goals Mario Lemieux ever scored in a single season? Oh, man. Uh, Anthony's writing down his answer. That's probably, I don't know. Okay. Don, Anthony has written his answer down. What is your answer? I'll say 81. All right. Don? You have chosen wisely. Don got the victory on this one there. Anthony, what number did you write down? 66. Don, you said 81. Marshy, the answer is? 85. 85. Wow. Don missed by four goals. So, nice Don? Nice job, Don. And that was a... Yes, I had. I mean, I figured Mario, or not Mario Lemieux, um, Wayne Gretzky was up there in the 90s, so probably in the 80s. There you go. Well, you're one step closer to becoming a gauntlet champion. And if it's hockey tomorrow, we're going to have a problem because I'll probably have more listeners listening in tomorrow, and I will choke. (laughs) Well, good luck, my man. You did a great job. Can't wait for tomorrow. All right, man. I'll see you then. Thanks. Nice job, Don. Congratulations. Marsh, you're... No You're pressure, up, Marshy. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's the first time we've done the new gauntlet, and we're about to hand over a trophy. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to change this. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. No, nice job to Don. All right, so Marsh's last one up. Oh, we'll see what category Martha, he gets you, tomorrow. Marsh, you're our third leg. Yep. Mm-hmm. The third leg's always the hardest, so closer. we'll see what happens. Get our closer also, on the bump. the biggest one. Jeremy Rutherford's going to join us next. Talk to him about uh, the Blues' recent run and maybe an update on some injuries. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Jeremy Rutherford joins us right now via the Brown and Crubin Celebrity Line. JR, Happy New Year to you. Hey, happy New Year, boys. How you guys doing? We're doing fantastic. 
How are you doing? Yeah, real good. Hey, I, we haven't heard the dog bark at my house in a while. You guys going to give me a little credit there? No uh, no dog barking in the background? Well, it depends. What did you do to the dog? Yeah, why did you, what, what happened to the dog, JR? Oh, well, why you guys got to ask that? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Come no, on. That's, that's what we thought. That, that second time that he did it, I just opened the front door and said, go, go, go. What? So, that's uh, not <laughs> what you would have done. Yeah. Oh, Jeremy. Uh, JR, I, I told... Told Jamie that was the best win last night. That was the most exciting win of the year. And he said, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Break our tie. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, It was up there, Anthony, but uh, they all blend together. Son of a gun. I know there's been some good ones this year, but uh, I would say that was not the best, but but right up there. I Gosh, think... didn't get side with Riv. Son of a gun. boy, JR. boy. Why do you think things have kind of come together despite the injuries? Isn't it unbelievable? I'm sitting here thinking about how it's come together like this, and we've seen it before. I mean, it, it really does happen a lot when you got a, a long list of, you know, minor league journeyman type players come up, and you start to play that direct, straightforward game. And yeah, it doesn't look pretty all the time, but you end up getting the job done, and all of a sudden you find yourself nine and three. It makes me want to think: Why doesn't a GM just sign like 23 of those guys and win the dang Stanley Cup with a salary cap that's at the floor? Why not, Jamie? Well, Jr. Um, historically, you still need some guys that are, uh, um, I don't know, 50 goal scorers, 100 point guys. Um, it's nice to have those other guys blended in there, but uh, yeah, you usually like to have a couple of guys who can uh, touch the back of the net quite a few times. Yeah, and they've definitely had that in this stretch. You know, they're not just four and one because of uh, guys like. Santini and Tucker and Alexandrov and so on and so forth. Uh, Braden Shen, Brandon Saad, Jordan Bennington have certainly done their job. But, I mean, you look at this big picture, 9-3-3 three, and three in their last 15, and now they're 4-1 and without O'Reilly and Tarasenko, and it's, it's pretty remarkable. But like I said, you know, there's times, you know, second period last night, it's, it's ugly, and there's mistakes, and there's goals against that you don't think they're going to be able to recover from. But then you try not to forget that they do have a couple stars on that team who can make plays like Kyrou and Thomas did last night. What an amazing, incredible play. Just You, know, you sit there and put that play in, in slow-mo and what Kyrou's trying to draw the defender and get him to slide, and then he lifts that right foot up and slides it back behind him to, to, uh, to Thomas in his wheelhouse. Just incredible. So they still got a lot of talent, and I think they find ways to win here lately. Yeah, so, okay, that's where kind of where I want to go, JR, is – you know, you look at this team, they're 9-3-2 and two in their last 14 games. They're 4-1 since the O'Reilly-Tarasenko injuries were announced. And then also you've got the Letty injury mixed in there with the Bortuzzo injury. And Krug was already on the IR. Like, everybody's talking about, and we're all guilty of this. It, you, me, Anthony, everybody. The guy at the water cooler, the, the girl at the end of the bar. I, don't, I just don't know about this Blues team, you know. I just don't know. <laughs> Yet here they are in... The probably the almost the worst case scenario for them having so many um, of their big guys injured, but this is what they're doing. Like, what do you make of all this? Well, yeah. So I was in the uh, visiting locker room at Minnesota the other day after the the win there, three nothing. And uh, Braden Shen was asked about, you know, what about the outside noise people giving up on you? And, and Braden Shen looked at a couple of us, Jim Thomas of the Post and myself, and he said, "You guys gave up on us. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did." And, and I said, hey, wait a minute, you don't read. How do you know? He said, uh, you know. Oh, you still have your front teeth. Yeah. Well, he didn't <laughs> he say you can't read. He just said you don't read. Wow, that's a loophole. Okay, I like he, it. 
he claims that he sees some stuff on Twitter, but he said he uh, he cut the Twitter out. So I don't know. But either way, it looked like I was getting ready to get beat up there for a second. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's remarkable. It really is. And Doug Armstrong referenced this team a couple weeks ago. You know, when he spoke to the media, the 09 team, Chris Mason, and that you know they went on that great run and made the playoffs. And I I, I want to be steadfast when I say this. Every single time we talk about this, we don't know what this team can do. Can they play well enough up until the guys come back from injury and those are reinforcements and they get into the playoffs? Yes, like 2019 can tell us anything, right? Uh, you know, so I want to make that first and foremost. But also you look at what that 2009 team did and they got swept in the first round of the playoffs. It's just hard even once you get to the playoffs to, to do anything and to be the type of team that's going to be able to compete. So, you know, I, I look at what they're doing right now and this is beyond what I thought they were going to be able to do with a lot of these players but they're just playing a simple game and some guys are stepping up at the right time. Jeremy Rutherford is our Blues Insider with The Athletic. He joins us right now on the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. So a lot of people are still asking the question, though, what if this team is in playoff contention at the deadline, but you might not look at it as a Stanley Cup contender, what what do you do then with some of these, these, these um, expiring contracts? What are your thoughts on that based on the, the recent hot play, JR? Yeah, so without knowing what's going to happen in the next five or six weeks, a little difficult, but as we sit here and speculate, you know, a month and a half out, I think they still have to sell. I think that, you know, this is fun to watch, and could they keep it going a little while, and, and could they sustain it till those guys get back? They, they certainly could, but I think big picture, you know, are you bringing those guys back? Are you bringing Tarasenko back? If the answer is no, then you move them. Are you bringing O'Reilly back? Same question, and you may want to bring them back. You might find a mutual ground to get a contract done and get it done but to me if I'm Doug Armstrong and I'm looking at the situation can you sneak into the playoffs and and maybe 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 win around yeah you could but I think that this organization could use some of the return packages that you could get for some of these assets And, and I think that moving a few guys around and changing things up for next season could be a good thing yeah but Jared what if you're nestled in nicely into the playoffs. And what I mean by nicely is, you know, you're in the wild card spot, maybe the first wild card spot, and there's five or six points between you and the the third team, the odd man out. Like, I just don't know what the message is at that point from the general manager or the team if you go selling off parts and saying, well, we hope we do good. I, I'm with you. I'm right there with you. I stood in the St. Paul Hotel uh, lobby at the hotel when they traded uh, Paul Stassi and he hugged the teammates. And, you know, uh, we interviewed Braden Chen a couple minutes later and he was pissed. Like, he was pissed. And, you know, I'm sure that, uh, you know, that kind of word got up to Doug Armstrong, which he, you know, probably knew was coming that those guys would be upset. But, you know, I, I think he looks at things in reality. And, and I still go back to 2018-19. He really, really liked that team. So when people say, why didn't he give up on them? You know, he liked that team, even though they weren't playing well in December. So I, I'm with you. Like, if, if things continue to go in this direction, I can see why somebody would make that point. It's just that when we talk about this on a daily basis and we're still five weeks out, it's tough to see what this picture looks like in five weeks. And if you, if you took 10 NHL situations like this over the past however many years, I would say 9 out of 10, the team wasn't able to sustain it. So I don't want to take that away from these guys. They're playing great. I'm just saying big picture history, it tends not to work out, but we'll see. JR, uh, speaking of Minnesota, um, there's a Blues prospect who was just at the World Junior Championships for Team USA, Jimmy Snuggerud 
Uh, you were up there poking around and talking to the Gophers coach. What uh, what did we learn about Jimmy Snuggerud from the coaching staff up there? Yeah, first of all, you got to tell the listeners that every once in a while I'll shoot you guys a text message and say, hey, I wrote this story because I know you don't read my stuff. I know you don't click on the athletics. So I get the audio book of it. <laughs> i got to tell you when I write a story. So uh, I text uh, you guys just a few minutes ago and said, hey, I wrote about Snuggerud if, if you want to ask. And what does Rivers always text back? He texts back, don't try to run our show, JR. Don't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. So, sounds yeah, sounds like chance. Jamie. <laughs> He's always doing it. We had a chance <laughs> to chat with uh, Snuggerud and Coach Bob Moscow up there at uh, the U in Minnesota. Fun to, just to go on campus and see the rink and talk to some of these players, some of the guys that played at the World Junior Championships. And guys, you know, I know it's cliche to say, but it looks like the Blues got a good one. It really does. You talk to – you know, the coach and the teammates and uh, this guy, Jimmy Snuggerud, first-round pick of the Blues last year, great deceptive shot. The coach called it a missile, but he said beyond that, he just can find it anywhere in his skates and uh, can release it and get it off. So, you know, young guy, but he had a great tournament at the World Junior Championships, 13 points. That was the third most in the tournament behind some guy named Connor Bedard. Never heard of him, and and uh, he is uh, having a great season for Minnesota Gophers. Okay, so in in your discussions with the coaching staff up there, and just kind of, you know, doing your investigative reporting up there on Jimmy Snuggerud, obviously you learned a lot about you know wh- what the individuals like and his skills. You just described that. Anybody bring up you know what his ceiling could be and what he you know how far off is he from the National Hockey League? Yeah, a couple of things. So, you know, ceiling-wise, the skating is what's held him back in the past, but he's got a, a renowned skating coach that he's been working with, and, and he's really made some uh, strides. Uh, talking to his teammates, they said those first three steps have gotten tremendously better here in the past couple of years. So he's got the IQ, he's got the shot, and now he's trying to get that skating up to par. But, I mean, you look at the World Junior Championship team, he's playing with his Minnesota teammate Logan Cooley, uh, Cutter Gutier, a, uh, a Philadelphia Flyers prospect. Um, you know, at Minnesota, he's playing with a guy drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs. So he's playing with top potential guys. I, I think that he could be a middle six guy probably. And I think that uh, as far as when that timetable is on him, Riv, um, I th- asked him about that. And he said, time will tell. You know, you never know what the future holds. He's just a freshman at Minnesota. I would su- suspect that he'd at least go back for a sophomore season and then see what it looks like after that. But, you know, a little bit too early on that one. JR, great stuff as always, my friend. Appreciate you. And uh, despite what Jamie says about you, I really like you, man. All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Oh, I got it. Absolutely. Not, not to run your show. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. Oh, no, it's no problem. He's a Thanks. Aggressive, Andy. Yeah. Thanks, JR. We'll see you. All right. See you. Well, that's not what you tell me off air. That's off air. It's different. Hmm. Just like you, you're way different off the air. I don't even talk to you off the air. I told you, don't. Like, you got my memo. Yeah. You're like Barry Bonds. Don't even look at me. Hey, Marshy, he comes in here, sits in his chair. He turns his back to everybody. <laughs> so awkward. Do you mm-hmm. not? I'm not going to refute that. Your back that. is turned to everybody. Yeah. And th- today he didn't even really talk. In fact, he, he gave a dirty, stinky eyeball like three times because we were talking apparently too much. Well, I mean, thought we were going we to work hard, you know, before the show. Talking about things. Put like in the effort. Things like that. Well, we were, but you didn't want to listen. Anyways, whatever, Anthony. It's fine. Sounds like an accountability issue. Seriously. Don't hold them accountable. (laughs) Myth or reality? We're going to play that uh, about the NFL playoffs next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Well, Nelson Cruz just signed with the Padres. They're just loading up while Mo sits on his hands. You need to hold him accountable. I just did. Mo's just sitting on his hands when Nelson Cruz is available. I hope he's not driving. No, that'd be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Unless he's driving a Tesla, I guess. I guess. Probably is. Maybe he's watching like 20 or 2011 highlights. Yeah, just living in the past, Marsh. That's all he's doing. (laughs) This guy can't catch a a fly ball. Accountability. That's what you get here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. (laughs) All right, boys, let's play Myth or Reality. Okay. Myth or Reality. Yeah. The Cowboys have been exposed. Is that a myth or is that reality? Oh, I think that's a reality. I feel like the Cowboys... um, you know, they started off the season. Obviously, they had uh, Cooper Rush jumped in and whatnot. Then Dak Prescott takes over. But I feel like it's been a bit of a struggle for them here of late. Like, teams have played them well, played them hard. They lose their last game. Too. I mean, I know it was kind of irrelevant, but still, nonetheless. Um, they were still playing their starters. Yeah. His backups. <laughs> I um, smoked. I I feel like it's a reality. I feel like teams have kind of figured it out a little bit. Marsh? Uh, definitely a reality. You know my thoughts and opinions on the Cowboys, Anthony. Your hatred for them. I don't hate them. Hate's a strong word. I just think they're funny. Funny how? Funny like a clown? Kind of. Like, I don't know. We'll see how far they get. You just don't like them at all. Uh, I think that's reality as well. When you look at the Cowboys defensively, they have struggled of late. The, you know, the fact that they're they're not creating as much havoc interceptions turnover sacks as they were beforehand and Dak Prescott seven straight games with an interception now mm-hmm. at least he's consistent seven straight games That's with an point. interception not great 14 of 29 134 yards zero touchdowns one interception in week one against the Bucks. that was week one it was a long time ago plus he got hurt but he didn't play well against them and they're, they're not – Kellen Moore struggled to kind of get the ball in the playmaker's hands for the Cowboys. So, yeah, I think I think to some Anthony, degree they he have doesn't – Kellen Moore doesn't play on the field. You're right. But he is a court, an actual offensive coordinator. Yeah. Unlike he, what a lot of fans do when they try to make hitting coaches to be coordinators. He can't hand the ball off, though. He can't pass it. He can't run. None of those things. I mean, it's up to – the players everything you're saying is factual jamie thank you myth or reality the 49ers can't win it all with brock purdy can't win it all can't not can't not can't win it all just they can't, can't win, win at all they can't win it all huh? the 49ers can't win the super bowl with brock purdy. without myth or without uh, myth brock purdy with, with brock. him oh my god it's a myth anthony so confusing they can totally win the super bowl with brock purdy yeah they can on the sidelines anthony I don't think this team uh, has oh, what it takes. Wow. What? Well, he, I'm just kidding. He's no. mad because it's you know his conference with uh, the Vikings. No, I, I think I think they can win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. If Nick Foles, Joe Flacco, uh, Trent Dilfer, all these other guys can win a Super Bowl with a really good team around them, I see absolutely no reason why Brock Purdy can't just distribute the football to the guys who make the plays and go on to win. That defense is awesome. He's got so many weapons available to him. Look, is he going to be the difference maker from a standpoint of making a highlight reel play? No, but he just doesn't have to be the difference maker throwing the ball away. Right. So um, what was the actual question again? 
Can they win it all? Yes, that's a reality. They can win it all with him. Or can they can't? What was the question? The 49ers can't win it uh, all myth. with Brock Purdy. Myth. It's a myth. Brock Purdy's also played well. Mm-hmm. Six straight games with at least two two passing touchdowns. The longest streak by a 49ers quarterback since Jeff Garcia in 2001. 11 passing touchdowns since making his first start in week 14. That's tied with Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins for most in the NFL over that span. He's 5-0 in his career as a starter. Just the third rookie quarterback to do so. He's looking to become the first rookie to win a playoff start since Russell Wilson in 2010. Or 2012, excuse me. Happened to him. <laughs> Get remarried. Somebody else. Things went down. Uh, the Far up. The... Uh, Jamie, you mentioned the defense for the 49ers. Scoring defense, so points per game, they're, they're first. Total defense, which is yards per game first. Interceptions, most in the league. Like, the 49ers' defense is excellent, so I'm with you guys. I think that's a myth. The AFC title game will be played at a neutral site. Ugh. I think that's reality. Oh, my gosh. Remind me of how this is going to work now. Basically. If the Chiefs play the Bills, it's a neutral the, site. Or the Bengals. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's reality. Yeah, I want to say myth, Anthony, because I want to see those Jags in the AFC Championship game. But? But that would be a myth on its own. Reality. Mike McCarthy is the head coach most likely to hold his team back this weekend. So just this weekend, myth or reality. Who's playing again this weekend? Cowboys are facing the Bucks. Well, Monday night, but wild card weekend, we'll call it. Yeah. First game is 49ers Seahawks. Uh-huh. Jaguars Chargers. Oh, I don't know. You got Brandon Staley yeah, there. So I got, think it's Brandon Staley. There's another this, horse in this race. Yep, I think it's Staley. <laughs> Is this the only head coach or the one that will no, most likely most to. likely to hold his team back? I mean, just, I, I think there's a couple. Very quickly, Pete Carroll, just yay or nay. Hold, to hold his team no, back. I don't think no, so. After no. what they've done this no. year. Uh-uh. Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, no, I say no. For sure. You say yes? Mm-hmm. Second half. Okay. Oh, Against the Seahawks, I'm just doing this weekend. Mostly the fourth quarter. I don't see. Come on. Brandon Staley? Yes. Yes. For sure. Peterson. Uh, Doug Peterson? I'll say no. no. I'll say I'll no. Say no. no. You got Kevin O'Connell for the Vikings? Um, He's done well. I'll we'll say see no. Though. Brian Dable? No. no. I don't think he's going to hold his team back. Mike no. McCarthy? Mike McCarthy? Yeah. Absolutely. Todd Bowles? Yes. That should be a fun one. That could be an all-out battle right there. Yeah. Who makes the worst decisions? Yeah. They Bowles might not have any timeouts before the two-minute warning. <laughs> <laughs> or they'll have, have all of them by the end of the game. And just yeah. have <laughs> no in-between. Uh-huh. What's the other matchups? I'm, I'm leaving some out here. The first game on Sunday. Oh, the Bills and Dolphins. Oh, We've already established that's going no. to be a blowout. Yeah, I'm going to say no on Sean McDermott. I'm going to say no on Mike, Mike McDaniel. Like, I, don't think he's, I don't think Mike McDaniel is going to hold his team back. I think the fact that they're starting a third-string quarterback, that'll do it. What happens to the uh, NFL world if, if the Bills blow that game and they lose? What happens? It'll be talked about greatly throughout the week, and then you get to the next matchup, and you're like, okay, the Dolphins are likely to get blown out in this next matchup, which would be, I believe, the Chiefs. And then there's one there's one other game too. The Bengals and the Ravens. Ravens. Yeah. Two good coaches there. Yep. Unlikely to hold them back. All right. Final one. Entering the playoffs. No quarterback is playing better than Joe Burrow. I'm gonna say that's reality. I mean, it's pretty tough to argue against what Mahomes, you just said. Mahomes is the only one that Yeah, would but is he no, he's not challenge. outplaying Joe Burrow, though. The Chiefs have been mid 
their last handful of games. Wow. They have been. Be honest. They barely squeaked by. Let me pull it up here. The Chiefs in their last little go around here barely squeaked past the Broncos. I mean, they beat the Seahawks 24 to 10. But I just don't know. I, I think Joe Burrow has been better than Patrick Mahomes. Not that Patrick Mahomes hasn't been good. I think Joe Burrow has been better. I do too. And Josh Allen's been a disaster in the in the red zone all season long. So I don't think it's him and, J- and Jalen Hurts is you know, looks banged up. Yeah, we'll see. So I think it's Joe Burrow. What about Daniel Jones? Daniel Dimes, I think, is doing a fantastic job playing within his system, the game plan, and the system. Yes, absolutely. All right. Can't believe we're gonna talk about this again, but. Jamie keeps bringing it up. He likes uh, he likes the Cardinals to sign a certain player. Makes me want to throw up. We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, Jamie. What? Go for it. Okay, Anthony. You you brought this up, what, last week? I brought it up last week, but then apparently it grew some more legs here this morning when the opening drive with Randy Character, Randy Character and Kerry Davis um, decided to kick the tires on whether Cardinal Nation would be okay with Trevor Bauer signing with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at their poll, Randy Carricker, let's see here, at Randy Carricker on Twitter, put out a poll, and there are 6,026 votes right now as we speak. The yes, 49.2%, the no, 50.8% on giving Trevor Bauer a chance. Yeah, over so 6,000 votes. Yeah. So this is a hot topic for a – a variety of reasons. You have an individual who is um, an exceptional pitcher, exceptional baseball player, not an exceptional human being, based on what we know right now. I don't know the guy personally. I've never played with him on a team. Um, I, don't, I haven't had beers with him. I haven't dated him. I don't know what he's like. But the only thing we do know is that he's not been um, found guilty in a court of law. He has not been found guilty yet in a civil lawsuit. Now, not being found guilty doesn't mean you're innocent. Mm -hmm. It just means they don't have enough to prove you guilty. But it still says he's not guilty. I don't know what... I don't know what happens with Trevor Bauer. And based on the the poll that Randy Carricker put out there, like, Cardinal Nation is pretty much split on this. Like, where are you? On this, because I look at it, I'm a big culture guy, and I've had bad teammates before, and I've watched them ruin teams. I've also had guys who were supposed to be bad teammates come to our team and not be a bad teammate and learn from things that have happened in life. Before I go down the road that I want to go down, where are you on this? No. I say no. I don't know him personally either. Mm-hmm. 
but for for what we can read about Bauer, let's let's just go before all the stuff that went down for you know the legal stuff beforehand. This is somebody that very smart guy apparently very very you know intelligent chip on his shoulder and from my standpoint while reading the the behind the scenes about Trevor Bauer dating back to when he was with UCLA uh-huh. and Garrett Cole what happened there refresh us he, him and him and Garrett Cole used to have kind of like a healthy yin and yang right where like Garrett Cole different different style of pitcher they they had this healthy kind of competition within, but Garrett Cole was viewed as the leader. Trevor Trevor Bauer was viewed as the kind of the outsider that if you if you knew him, you kind of understood what he was about, but rubbed people the wrong way, and that followed him to Cleveland. Somebody that seemingly, you know, there's good sandpaper within a locker room like John Lackey, a little sandpaper, right? Uh-huh. Gets everybody kind of. And when the, the when the Cardinals acquired John Lackey at the deadline, a couple, you know, what twenty fourteen, whatever it was, you added some good sandpaper to the, to the clubhouse. I don't think Trevor Bauer, from from my advantage point here, from my standpoint, would be good would be good sandpaper. What is he as a pitcher? I don't know. He was he was a top of the line guy. He uh, he was somebody that could be an ace. He hasn't pitched in over a year and a half now, I believe. So what is he now? I don't know. Would taking a risk on Trevor Bauer, the baseball player, for an organization that does not have a bona fide top of the top of the rotation arm, is the risk is the risk small? Assuming it's a one year deal, yeah, it would definitely be a one year deal. But it's not it's not just the baseball player. You're also you're also acquiring the guy, who is very vocal and fine. Go for it. Who's not afraid to say stuff? Fine, go for it. Not afraid to call teammates out, but I don't think in a healthy way. Go for it. Mm-hmm. But for this clubhouse, I'm going to say no. So let's further the conversation just a little bit here. What do we know of Trevor Bauer in the clubhouse with the Dodgers? Because to well, I, I've done some digging. I haven't seen any negative reports. Now, he's been DFA'd and whatnot, so if anybody was going to come crawling out of the woodwork now to say this guy's a POS or mm-hmm. whatever the heck he is as a teammate, like I feel like they'd have their chance at this point. So I guess my question is this. If he was put into a Cardinals clubhouse that has solid leadership, which they do. they got Wayno, Arnado, they've got Paul Goldschmidt, and now they've got Contreras, who will definitely find his spot in that clubhouse. And to what we understand, is a very passionate teammate. I just don't know. Like, the Trevor Bauer that we're talking about, is he the same guy in LA as he was prior to that as a teammate. I'm I'm isolating teammate, not individual, not even as a pitcher. Yeah. I, honestly, Jamie, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll strengthen I'll strengthen the point. I won't even say your point, but I'll strengthen the point right now of signing him and taking on that risk from what I'm about to say. He was in Cleveland for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years. That's where you started to hear some of the, you know, some of the things where he's ah, the, not a bad, maybe not a bad guy, but just like somebody that irritates you that you know maybe yeah. you want to send send down the stairs on his face. You know, he's in Cincinnati for two years, not long. Dodgers, less than a season, so maybe for a year he's fine. 
You get him for three at UCLA. Are you trying to sign him long-term? No, this is what I'm saying. I think I'm going to strengthen. If you have that that standpoint of just sign him for a year, I'm going to strengthen your point. Probably for a year, he doesn't rub, rub people the wrong way. But for me, like... Okay, so let's let's go down the road here with with this. You sign him, then what? Who you put? Who you put in the bullpen? <clears throat> well, Dakota Hudson. He's so he's the sixth guy right now. He's already the sixth. He's guy? already the sixth guy. You've got Steve. Let's just go. Adam Wainwright. Well, no. Miles Michaelis. No. Stephen Matz. Maybe. Jack Flaherty. Maybe. Jordan Montgomery. No. Okay. One of those guys have to go to the bullpen if you sign him. And I get it. And I'm not, listen, I'm not sitting here saying I want Trevor Bauer. You're from, intrigued. From a baseball standpoint, and, and if you go on social media, especially Twitter, um, his his agent, I'm sure everybody knows her very well, Rachel Luba posted a video of a new changeup that uh, she calls pretty darn filthy. And... You know, you got other pro baseball players that are there talking about they can confirm it, and it looks ridiculous. Now, is he using the sticky icky right there? I don't know. A lot of our listeners are like, he's nothing without the sticky stuff. Maybe he's not. I guess in any investment or any signing, there's a risk. Take the individual out of it as far as his personal life. As a baseball player, the risk is very low. The reward is very high with a pitcher like Trevor Bauer, a player like Trevor Bauer. Now, does the risk outweigh the reward as far as the individual goes? Did he learn his lesson? Is he changed at all in the clubhouse as far as, because we didn't hear anything in, in L.A., not not yet, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, did he learn his lesson in life in general of living his life a little bit differently, a lot better, maybe not making poor maybe decisions? Maybe more humble. I don't know. Right. I, I don't know. And so if I'm the Cardinals, I look at it this way. What if we sign him, bring him down to Jupiter, uh, he turns out to be a good guy or a better guy than we thought, a good teammate and a hell of a pitcher for $720,000, I'm in. You sign him, you bring him down there, he's an absolute asshat, you get rid of him. Or you don't like him, he starts to do things in the community that are not cardinal-worthy or anything we would like or whatever, you get rid of him, gone. You've made worse decisions financially. So I don't know. I'm with the I'm with our listeners. I'm 50-50 on this. I could be you could sell me on either way. Either not signing him because it's, you don't want the baggage or signing him because why not? Right. I'm 50-50 on it. That's Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. It's a fast line on 101 ESPN. There was one element of last night's game that Jamie wanted to highlight cuz this cert, this certain line played very well. What does it mean for the Blues with some of these key key injuries? That's next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Blues come in, Santini's over the line. Shoots it on, rebound, they score! Alexandrov pulls the Blues to within one. It's a 3-2 game, 17.40 to go, third period. Chris Kerber on the call last night as the Blues beat the Calgary Flames. Four to, they beat them 4-3 in overtime with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Jamie, you wanted to highlight the fourth line. 
from last night. Yeah. Well, not just last night. Uh, the last, you know, handful of games. Jamie, and, you wanted to highlight the fourth line last couple of games. Mm-hmm. You're right, Anthony. I'm glad you brought that up. No, look at here. It, it's an interesting situation for the Blues because when you looked at this fourth line a couple of days ago and you're looking at uh, Alexandrov, Torpchenko, and Pitlick for the most part, you're sitting there going, oh, boy. Like, nothing against those guys. Torpchenko spent a little bit of time down in the minors. Alexandrov has been in the minors predominantly, and Pitlick was a a signing, a signing of uh, of a guy that you know you give him a tryout, you weren't sure, then you went inside, right. signed him afterwards. So, either way, they're doing a great job. I love what they're bringing to the ice. You know, Torpchenko's gotten a couple of points in the last couple of games. Uh, you know, he's playing last night. Torpchenko played 1246, had three hits, two shots on goal. When you look at Alexandrov, uh, he had a goal, nine minutes of play, three shots on goal. And if you want to go with Pitlick, he played 11 and a half, three hits. A lot of energy there. And so much so that Craig Berube decided to maneuver things around. And he had Noel Achari center Torpchenko and Alexandrov for a bit. So. I just look at what they're bringing to this team, and it's exactly what this team needs. In fact, you know, we had Craig Berube on earlier today, and we asked him about the fourth line and what they bring to the lineup night in and night out, and here's here's what the Chief gave us. Those four guys have really defined our fourth line slash third line role players and how we want to play with the four check, the physicality, and just the directness of the game. And I think that they've done a great job of that. Those four guys for me right now are in that category. And I throw Jake Neighbors in there too. They're North-style players. They're going to the net. They're banging bodies. They're forward-checking hard. They're doing a great job in their own end. And it's real good identity for us. Yeah, it's okay. Throw Jake Neighbors in there too. Absolutely. Jake Neighbors played nine and a half minutes, almost nine nine thirty-seven is what he played. He had an assist last night, two shots on goal. These guys are doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And what I like about what I'm seeing from the fourth line in particular, and Craig Berube also reiterated that earlier too, is the energy. Like they're creating momentum for your team. And you look at in particular here in St. Louis, a seven-game homestand, six games left on the homestand. You have last change. You can now manufacture more minutes on the ice for your fourth line. But what happened last night is Berube didn't even care. You got to he didn't care about the matchup. They were going so well. He, what he did is he manipulated the centerman. So going from Alexandrov at center with Pitlick on the right and Torpchenko on the left, he switched it around. Achari jumped into the middle of the ice, and then you had Alexandrov and Torpchenko flanking the wings on him. And so, therefore, he was able to just roll them, just roll them. And what's the one thing that made the Blues so successful in 2019? They had they had that fourth line, or they were able to roll the four lines. But the fourth yeah. line uh, was a, was a key part of that. He had guys accept roles like Alexander Steen, and that 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 opened up the ability to roll four lines. Yeah, and I'm not saying that this four line is comparable to right. that one, because you had Sunquist, Barbashev, and Steen all established NHLers. Yeah. Steen, I mean, uh, probably a Blues Hall of Famer at one point. I'm calling it now. You don't have that on your fourth line right now, but what you have is energy. You You're got talking about the concept. The concept of being able to play them without worry and have them contribute to the overall success of the team. So 
I think that when you talk about the forwards, the fourth line and Jake Neighbors, those guys have done a good job, but they're not the only young guys who've been in the lineup. There's been a lot of pressure, a lot being put on the shoulders of Tyler Tucker and Steven Santini right now. And when you look at those guys last night, you know, you get Tyler Tucker. He played 19 minutes of hockey last night, had himself four hits. Steven Santini played 12 and a half minutes, had himself an assist. He had a shot on goal and was instrumental in the comeback. Chief talked about Santini getting the puck on net, Alexandrov scoring. But we asked Chief you know, what he's seeing from these young defensemen, because that's a tough job in the NHL. Again, yeah, it's a lot like the four guys I was talking about up front. It's just directness and it's simplicity of the game. Like, they, they're physical players. They take the body hard. They get a puck. They move it. They get it out. They get a puck on the point. It's going to the net, you know, and, and there's no other thought process. That's what they're doing, and it works. And, you know, they're – they may not be the most talented guys, but they keep the game simple, and the directness of their play is driving our team, in my opinion, all these guys. It's driving our team to play a certain way, and it rubs off on everybody. It's great. It's a great opportunity for those two young guys to make a difference with this team right now. Um, you know, Craig Bruby also alluded to the fact that Nick Letty is on the mend here. Hoping that or he, he said he'd probably be back in a game soon. Doesn't mean next game or the game after, but obviously there's improvement. So when he comes back, one of these young men will leave the lineup. But you never know who the next Callie Rosen's going to be because Callie Rosen was on the outside looking in. He's playing in the minors. Then there were some injuries. Then he was your seventh defenseman. Now he's playing in your top four. So it always it, it, it's good for the young guys to get out there, make their mark in a positive way, and then when you have the head coach going on these airwaves, complimenting you for what you're bringing to the team, that's a huge advantage. You're doing something right, that's yeah. for sure. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We have our biggest question of the day coming up. We need mic drops, though. If you go to the 101 ESPN app, you can download the uh, the app, or you have an app, you have it uh, loaded up already. Leave us a mic drop. The biggest question of the day centers on something that you wanted to talk about that we didn't talk about. Maybe it's a little outside the box. doesn't have to be anything that we're necessarily talking about within today's show. But we do need mic drops, so send them in, and we'll do our biggest question of the day coming up at 530. How would you rank the quarterbacks entering the playoffs? And what does that tell us about how many of these guys can actually win the Super Bowl this year? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. about to find out how much marsh really likes kirk cousins where does marsh have kirk cousins ranked among quarterbacks heading into the playoffs how are we ranking this are we giving them an individual ranking a league we're gonna ranking? no we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna rank these guys uh-huh. the 14 quarterbacks in the, the playoffs like who would be number one for you guys who would be the b- best quarterback all right, so Jamie's going to go with Tom Brady. Like a fool. I'm going to go with Joe Burrow for me. Okay. Ooh. I think he's the best quarterback in the league. 
I'm going to still go with Patrick Mahomes, but I do think Joe Joe Burrow is the hottest QB heading he into He is good looking. He's a good looking I guy. I like his swagger. I was, talk, I was talking about his play. Oh. Yeah, okay. but, you My know, bad. either way, I'm going to go Patrick Mahomes. Marsh? Uh, I'm also going with Patrick Mahomes. Number two would be Joe Burrow for me. Me Let's as see, well. I'll flip-flop this for me. It's right. Mahomes. Number three, who do you guys got? Wow, this is where it gets a little bit hairy. It's a little dicey for you? Yeah, because there's a lot of good quarterbacks, but there's nothing like you, the, the easy answer would be like Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. I'm going to go Justin Herbert. That's a good one, Anthony. Josh Allen makes me nervous in the red zone. Yeah, but he did this. Okay, so two years ago, he made us nervous, too, in the playoffs. Then he came back, and he was incredible. Yeah. He was he incredible. Was. Unfortunately, it was like, what, 11 seconds left that ruined his 13. season? 13 yeah. seconds? Mm-hmm. That's not his fault. No. No, it was so not. So I have a little more confidence in what Josh Allen's bringing to this year's playoffs based on what he did last year. I think it's fair. And I'm going to go Allen. And Justin Herbert hasn't played a postseason game yet. I just No. That's how, that's how highly I think of Justin Herbert. So I got him three. I've got, I've got Allen three. I have Josh Allen three uh, as well. And you got, I'm guessing, Herbert four for you guys? I actually have Jalen Hurts at number four. Ooh. Over Herbert? You yes. lost me. Okay, you I like, lost me too. You lost me. I got Josh Allen four. I have I Jalen Hurts. I like that he had some playoff experience last year. Okay. Did he really, though? He got, yeah, he didn't, the Eagles didn't play well. But <laughs> it's okay. Hey, it counts. Yeah, it does. It certainly does. I do have Justin Herbert at five. Okay, okay. that so makes you feel any better. I it does. It does. I think I, it, you didn't hurt my feelings. I just think it's disgusting the way that you have these quarterbacks ranked thus far. That's all. Uh, so Marshy's on to number five. Anthony, who do you have at number five? I gotta go with Dak Prescott, despite oh the fact that he's gosh. struggling. I got Dak. That's ridiculous, by the way. Um, Wait, are we saying Lamar Jackson, by the way? Lamar Jackson's not playing? Because I don't think he's playing this weekend. No, I don't have him playing. Okay, so I'm we're ranking Tyler Even if Huntley. he plays, I don't have him being significant. Okay. Um, yeah, then I right. got Dak five. I'm not going Dak five. Um, I would go Jalen Hurts here at five. I'm comfortable with that. All right, number six. This is where I have Hurts. And I, I look the way that they're playing right now. You could make the argument that Hurts is, you know, better this season than Dak. When Dak's on his game, though, Dak can do more for me in the passing game than Hurts. But I do have Hurts at six. So at six, I have Tom Brady, and I'm, I'm, I stand by it. The Brady factor, and, and I look at Dak Prescott, and look at some of the other quarterbacks. I don't know if they can... Like, Dak Prescott has not shown me at all that he can handle the postseason. He, he, he's never shown me that he can step up his game. And to your point, he's had how many games in a row with an interception now? Uh, 29. No, seriously. Like eight. Okay. That's still a lot. In the seven, postseason, seven, that eight. could be the, the difference maker. You're right. And so, as much as, you know, I'm a Tom Brady guy, I mean, I have him at number six. I think I'm being somewhat realistic here. I think Tom Brady could be a difference maker in the Buccaneers having success, whereas I think in a good way, where Dak Prescott could have it in a negative way for the Cowboys. Number, number six for me, and I'm, I'm, I want to underline how we feel each quarterback will perform in the playoffs. Yeah. Brock Purdy, number six. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. 
Brock the, Purdy So far, six. you've been you've been the out of the box guy. Yeah, like honestly, what are you drinking over there? Uh, ayahuasca. So you, so you take him. You take Brock Purdy. <laughs> you got the old Aaron Aaron Rodgers drink. Fair enough. Oh, he's gonna need a ride home, Anthony. Yeah, he is. So you you have Purdy over Dak. You have Purdy over Tom Brady. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't think that he's a better quarterback all around just than some of these, but how play. I think no, he, I got he you. will perform. Yeah. I got you. You're okay. okay. Stand right. by your choice, Marshy. Stand Good. by your man. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anthony, who have you got? What do we got? Well, you you didn't pick number six yet. I went, uh, did I go? To, no, I went Jalen Hurts. Uh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Dak so, five, Jalen Hurts six. What, seven. So it's seven. Uh, I'll go, uh, oh boy. I got mine. Go I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to be the best statistic. Statistically, he's going to be the best quarterback on Saturday. I know Saturday. where you're going. Go ahead. Where, you, where do you think? I think you're going long hair, freaky people. I'm going long haired, freaky people. At number six yeah. or seven? Seven. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. That's who I have. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to put, is going to put on a show this weekend. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game back and forth, Herbert and Lawrence, but I think Trevor Lawrence is going to put on a show. Statistically, I think he's the best quarterback on Saturday. Wow. I'm going to not go with long hair, freaky people. I'm going to go with. Uh, <laughs> I love the nickname. <laughs> I'm going to go. With... <laughs> Means nothing, but I love it. Song by Tesla. Long hair, freaky people. No. Need not apply. I don't. I probably have heard it, but I, it doesn't. It's not ringing a bell right now. I, I'm not very good at that. I, I'll get the rest of it. This music in my ears is messing with my memory on how to <laughs> sing that song. You know. Sure. I'm on Dak Prescott at seven. Okay. Marsh, you got eight. Who else? The sign what says I? the long-haired freak of people. Oh, okay. I, yes. I, there yes. you go. Sorry, Marcy. Says yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. That's where I got that. I just got a text from <laughs> Randy. Funny. He said, don't worry about Purdy. These guys probably hated Kurt Warner in 99, too. Oh, stop it with your Kurt Warner That's slander. That's not true. I just hated him in 2001 when my Patriots were winning. Ooh. Wow. I mean, when they were cheating... Holy smokes. I, I like You know what? Let's be clear. I never hated Kurt Moore. I love that guy. He's an awesome individual. Uh, eight, I got Tom Brady. He okay. stinks this year, but I'll, I mean, look, you got you to gotta respect <laughs> does, him. You're so off the map with this. He doesn't stink. Statistically, it's actually better than his last two years. I apologize, you Jamie. Should. He's doing a great job throwing the ball two feet and racking up a whole bunch of yardage. Nice job there, Tom. Yardage doesn't work in your league? Two hey, feet he, at a time. He does a Way good go, job Brady. at playing within the system. The system is his old line sucks, and he's, <laughs> just, he's afraid of, get, of getting hit. Yeah, so, so dump it off and let dump guys it off. go. Just yeah. such a hater. How do, you, do, you, do you wake up and feel that way in the morning? Anyways, we're at number eight here, right? Um... Marshy, where did you go at number eight? Uh, the only number eight that you can go with, and that's Kirk Cousins. Oh, boy. Oh my He's God. my number eight, uh, not only on this list, but on my team's roster and in my heart. Yeah, sure he is. I got long hair freaky people at number eight. All right. Trevor Lawrence. Number nine, I'm going with uh, the magical Kirk Cousins. Unless unless it's a primetime game, I'll drop him to 14. But it, but if it's a if it's a noon game, if it's a three thirty game, something like that, then yeah, Kirk Cousins, I got him at nine. I got Brock Purdy at nine. Okay, Tom Brady's my number nine. All right, uh, I got Brock Purdy at ten. Okay, so we're all kind of similar in that. I've got Geno Smith. Okay, at ten. Dak Prescott, number ten. That's that, that's really disrespectful. I think your Cowboys hate. 
your Cowboys hate is just it's boiled to the surface. Yeah, you just said that he threw like a million interceptions in a row. No, it's boiled like to the one surface. in a row, but several times. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I got Geno eleven. Um, last but not least, I got uh, old prime time himself, Kirk Cousins, uh, number eleven. I got Danny Dimes at number eleven. Oh, I forgot about him. I got Danny Dimes at twelve. I, got- I have Geno at twelve. <laughs> I got I got dimes at twelve. I totally forgot about him. Talk about Mr. Irrelevant. I totally forgot about him. I got Hundley at thirteen. Oh, and yeah. then at fourteen I've got Skylar Thompson. I just wrote Miami fourteen. Yeah. Sorry about your luck. <laughs> Sorry I wasn't even luck, sure Skylar. either, Marshy. I've been yeah. waiting. Did you even write them down on your piece of paper? Uh no, I just wrote it in now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. How many of these guys do you think can win a Super Bowl? Well, Anthony, they all potentially could. Okay, who, who do you believe? How many do you believe could win a Super Bowl? Um, this season. I'm honestly, not sorry. Like, like Brady obviously can yeah. win a Super Bowl. Yeah. I think yeah. only this one season. can actually win this season. That's a good point by you. <laughs> <I've>, Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. You've been hanging around Jamie way too much. It's <laughs> a lucky guy. Um, I would say there's like five of them that could legitimately like be a Super Bowl champion. I, got, I, I got don't six. discount Brady ever, unfortunately. We just can't. Sure. I got six, but Brady's not in it. You're a donkey. It seems not good enough. I got Mahomes. Patriots team he won with that one year. Okay. They were terrible. Is Belichick on the sidelines, too? Well, obviously, is he in the playoffs? No. I'll take Todd Bowles over Belichick. Oh, you <laughs> won't. You've been crushing Bowles recently. We just. <laughs> He's got a text from the 314. This is an unbelievable nickname. Kirk Cousins, the noon nightmare. <laughs> oh, my That's awesome. Congratulations. You just won texter of the day. Yeah, you did. We don't even have that. We just invented it. But that's, you've won. The noon nightmare. I love it. The noon nightmare, Kirk Cousins. Uh, I, got, I got six. I got six that can win it. But this season, Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, Allen, Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy. And it's got mostly to do with the entire team, not just these quarterbacks. So that's what I'm going to go with. There you go. Good for you, Anthony. Thank you. Marsh, what's your number? Yeah, I think six sounds about good. I don't know. This is definitely a year where you could throw a dart at the board Mm -hmm. and it could hit either Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, or uh, Josh Allen. Or Josh Allen, and you'll be right. I just, I can't see anybody else winning besides those three teams. Marsh, we get a text from the 314. It says, Marsh, when are you going to hold Kirk Cousins accountable for his primetime performance? <laughs> Thank you. That's a really good question. That's a really good I question. This, I love that the accountability thing has, has taken off with our, our listeners. I'm going to be supporting that team on Sunday, Anthony, wearing my Kirk Cousins shirt. So, you know, I'm, I might root for the Vikings just for you, Marsh. I appreciate that. You know, my Falcons fell a little short this year, so... Yeah. And by a little short, I mean they don't have any talent and uh, they played over their skis for most of the time and it's a predictable finish. But Marsh, I think I'm going to root for your Vikings. Yeah, Just for to wonder game. if that's a good thing, though. I, uh... You know what? Go Giants. The last, time, <laughs> the last time somebody did this, this was Jamie. Jamie was really rude to me with the Lions. I wanted to hop on the bandwagon. You know I right. apologize. You're right. And you know what happened? They won. The Panthers racked up 200 and something odd rushing yards. You know what, Anthony? Because Jamie wouldn't let me jump on that Lions bandwagon. Anthony, I'll save a spot for you at Cyber. Thank you. I'll be there. I won't be there. I got kids. <laughs> Damn it. Maybe Marsh can watch the kids. Oh, we enjoy some wings. At Cybergs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Highly recommend Marshy being that guy. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. the, <laughs> the babysitter. Have Marsh. you seen some of the texts that come flying through during the middle of a Vikings game? 
My gosh. Marsh, where's Killian? I don't know. I don't know. No idea where I he gave is. Gave him a Mountain Dew and a <laughs> roll of quarters. <laughs> That's all he needs. He's sleeping on the on the box right now. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, I know he's hyper right now, but when he crashes, he's yeah. gonna sleep hard. We're running Oklahoma drills in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure the kid, poor kid, broke his hand the one time playing football in the basement. Killing you, all right? Yeah. Well, like, he was trying to like snap sideways. the ball. I didn't think it was appropriate that you st- stepped on his hand. He's gonna know. You were like, hey, kid, yeah, yeah. stomped on his hand. That wouldn't be me. Be Don't his, tell your mother it, you're grounded. It'd be his sister. <laughs> yeah, she like would. <laughs> she absolutely would. All right, it's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We've got our big question of the day next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. For the question of the day via you a bunch of people left mic jobs for us this is kind of the out of the box question of the day or something maybe we haven't touched upon that uh, that you wanted to so it's really up to you it's a drip it's a listener driven segment so march what do we got today we have a nicholas today nicholas wanting to talk more blues hockey oh, all right nikki i think jamie's gonna like this question Hey guys, hey, question for you. Watching Alexandriov play on that fourth line, what does he have to do to stay up at the NHL level? Because it seems like they're just sending him down, calling him up. And especially when that fourth line is really clicking like it is now, they will send him down. What does he have to do to stay up in the NHL level to play on that fourth line with Torbchenko and Pitlick and Achari? See you guys. Great show. Love y'all. Thank you. Well, Nick, thank you. That's a good question. Um, So what he has to do is continue doing exactly what he's doing. If you look at last year, Alexei Torpchenko was nowhere in the plans. He came up. He did a great job. Craig Berube fell in love with the way he played. Where did Torpchenko find himself this year? The big, the big league, the roster, right? Yep. He, he was injured, had shoulder surgery, wasn't supposed to be back until like November or something like that. He was on the opening night roster plate. Why? Because he did exactly what Coach Berube wanted him to do. So for Nikki Alexandrov, if he wants to be here for the rest of this year, keep doing what you're doing. If it doesn't work out that way, well, it's a numbers game. It's contracts, it's money owed. You're They're able to send you down. It is what it is. I dealt with it. He'll deal with it. But you come back next year knowing full well that the coaching staff, the general manager, and the rest of the hockey club knows exactly what you can do. And now it's your job to lose, no longer your job to win. So just keep doing. Pedal to the metal with that kid. I would just go full throttle every single friggin' shift. Get out there. Hit everything that moves. Move the puck up the ice. Get to the front of the net. It's pretty simple. I mean, you've talked about this a lot with, with certain players, Jamie. Guys, That it, this is why you continue to talk about listening to Barubi, because he's going to give you the yes. answers to the test. He literally tells you what he wants from you. Figure it out. Especially those guys. Mm-hmm. He tells those guys, the third and fourth line guys, you have an abs- you have a map, a blueprint of exactly what Craig Barubi wants from you. Right. The first top six forwards, he doesn't try to control them as much. You realize, you, you've seen it. It, it, it lets them run. They're thoroughbreds. Just go. Yeah. Third and fourth line, you're a Clydesdale. Hook the wagon on. We need you to pull the wagon. And, and so if I'm a third or fourth line guy in the NHL and I've got Craig Berube as a coach, I'm set. 
I got you, coach. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you want. It's similar, Jamie. I'm sure you, you've gotten this before, too. Anybody that has reached out to me, whether it's, you know, a friend or acquaintance, acquaintance that have, they've got a high school that wants to get into journalism, radio, TV, right? They, mm-hmm. I'm always willing to talk to somebody that is interested in getting into this career field. And the first thing I always tell somebody, because it's always about advice. Play right? a sport professionally and then retire. Exactly, because then you're, you've got a good chance, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but for me, I didn't. I oh, didn't so play professionally. Yeah, no, I know no. what you tell them. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm being serious now. Go ahead. I always say, I say, figure out what your boss doesn't want to do and do that. Figure that out. Or what it, nobody else wants to do. Exactly. Do that. Yep. So, for example, when I first got into radio in Detroit... I, I first learned I was I was a street teamer, so I would go out. I'd be the I'd be the guy that was at the the, uh, the table at at the event, passing out free T-shirts and things like that to all hours of the night. When I was not working at you know my full time job, uh, and I didn't have to work at the radio station doing the street team work, I would go in and I would ask the producers, "Can I just?" Observe you guys running the board. I wanted to learn the board. I'll sit here. I'll shut up. I'll take notes. After a while, what I realized was nobody wanted to produce the Sunday night baseball games. You're there alone. Nobody's in the building. Nobody wants to have some East Coast Yankees-Red Sox game going to extra innings, and you're there until, you know, 1 a.m. in the morning. People hate it. They don't want to do it. I'll do it. And then I became a uh, the, the nighttime producer. Then I was a part-time producer. Then eventually it was doing uh, updates figure out what your boss doesn't want to do and it doesn't have to be your like main boss it could be like a supervisor figure that out figure out what they don't want to do and nobody else wants to do and stick your hand up in the air and say i'll do it yeah jamie it's the same same thing that you're saying well that's exactly how i kept we my don't career have, going we don't have this jamie goes <laughs> yeah now you do you ever play forward fucks. yep you ever play right wing even though you're left-handed shut yeah totally i can do that and you ever play goalie sure mm-hmm no, yep. but I've always wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> Marsh, did you have something to contribute there? I know that at one point you. Yeah, I was just I was wondering when you have a fourth line like this that is being productive, and they're contributing in in ways that you envision. What does that look like when you do get guys back that are healthy? Let's say you get Tarasenko and O'Reilly, and they don't end up getting dealt, but you still want to keep that fourth line intact. Who are the people? That are now moving out of that and how does that affect the rest of the lineup well i'm not going to name certain people because it'll come down to who's playing well at that point but i think we know the pool of players to pick from would be the guys that have been on the third and fourth line all year right so your pool of players is pitlick levo brown like even though i don't want to send all those guys down but torpchenko alexandrov those will be the guys walker that you would be able to move around we got a good question on the text line anthony if i can just address of course. it real quick um from the 636 says uh why not have and this is talking about alexandrov why not have him net front presence on the second power play great hands around the net he showed it in the ahl too and then second comment i guess referring to craig berube loves ruining that development so let me help you here um he's not ruining that development what he's doing is he's giving that player an opportunity to play in the nhl Look at Ivan Barbashev. Okay? Look at Oscar Sundquist. Look at some of the guys who started out as that fourth line 
guy, keep it simple, get pucks in, get pucks out, finish your hits. Look at what they're doing now. They're making three, four, five million dollars in the NHL. Ivan Barbashev scored 26 goals last year because he finally earned the trust of the coaching staff. And where does Ivan Barbashev play now? Plays on the power play, plays regular shift, penalty kill. Great call. Oscar Sundquist, same deal. So for Nikita Alexandrov, if the coach just puts him in all these crazy situations and he fails, he gets sent down to the American League and he may not get another opportunity because the coach says he doesn't understand his role here right now. He's trying to be something that he's not. Get your foot in the door, whatever it is, pro baseball, football, even if it's just your office. Get your foot in the door for a certain job. Do the job that they ask you very well and then look to expand upon that role. When you're not a first round pick or a blue chip prospect, that is exactly what you have to do. So it's not that anybody's ruining development. It's actually giving him a chance to develop at the NHL level. Great call. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. What you missed next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. If you missed anything from today's show, make sure you download the podcast at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Full conversation with Greg Ruby is on there. Also a conversation with our guy Jeremy Rutherford. Talked a little Blues. Talked a little Cardinals. Ranked our quarterbacks. Marsh was way too low on certain guys like uh, Dak Prescott. Uh, I think his Cowboys negativity. Yeah, they did. Yeah, but his Cowboys negativity came out in the, the rankings. What did I do? It's all there. What? the podcast. I did great, Marshy. You did. What do we got for criticisms and compliments? We got a text from the uh, 636. I've been on vacation for three weeks and I have not listened to anybody. What? Where the hell is BT? I don't know. Maybe they can tell us. Maybe. I mean, he took the day off, uh, what, a week ago and didn't come back. Now for milk, I haven't seen him since. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, BT. BT is no longer full time on the show. What? He is on the show part time. He will join us uh, for a couple of hours each week. Look forward to that. But BT got even more games from Bally Sports Midwest for the upcoming Cardinals game. And we kind of, you know, or the games, the season. And we kind of figured this was coming from BT, who, who works his absolute ass off at both jobs. But opportunity for him to take on more games and you know still be a part of the radio station but not not on the fast lane full-time anymore. he's gonna bring the heat with us yeah he, is. he will it'll only be a couple times a week but we know he's gonna bring the heat we're gonna have a good time it'd be fun pretty great that'll be great from the 618 ribs i hope you bring that fire to the riz show best segment this year so far and it was uh talking about the sports six pack which only included about three questions the riz show I mean, I'm going over there on Friday morning to uh, join the group over there. In fact, it'll just be um, Mr. Rizzuto, uh, Mr. Fandango, and myself. I believe King Scott will be there as well. So So you and Donnie with Riz on Friday morning? Yeah. So my schedule, Anthony, it's going to be starting tomorrow at noon. It's going to be fun. I'm going to come in here and record a blues, last-minute blues podcast with Donnie. There you are. Then we're going to go right into... Uh, prep and the fast lane right from the fast lane down to do the game for Bally Sports Midwest tomorrow night get home about midnight 
Uh, quick turnaround. Get back to the station here for about 5 o'clock in the morning. Jump on the Rizzuto show for four hours of radio. Maybe grab a coffee and then do uh, the fast lane for four hours. That a boy. Yeah. Should be great. It'll be fun. Inject that into my veins, baby. No, it'll be fun. A lot of fun. It'll be awesome. From the 314, Food for Thought, as a radio host, your greatest ability is accountability. And <laughs> do we need to revisit Anthony's rant oh, yesterday? We please hyped tell it me up. we have time. We, have a, we do have time. Let's go. Anthony responding to how he should hold Mo accountable from a Twitter follower. Uh, I just got a tweet. And when the Cardinals lose in the first round, will you apologize for Mosellock or actually hold them accountable? I don't know. I get this I get this tweet from the same guy all the time. <laughs> How the I almost cursed. This guy literally almost made me curse. How the hell do I do I hold Mo accountable? Do you do you really think that the Cardinals ownership is sitting there and saying, "Well, you know that idiot Anthony Stalter, he he don't like Mo. Let's get rid of him." You know, that guy on the radio who does a four-hour show there on ESPN? Yeah, you know, he was saying that uh, Mo, Mo should go. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Do you, th- do you think I have that much power? Even if I were to sit here hour after hour after hour and say, Mo does a terrible job. Do you really think that the wits are like, well, look, look, Anthony Stalter said that. Well, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to fire Mo. I never thought about it. <laughs> Do you think I have that much power? You better hold him accountable. What does that mean? <laughs> Will you actually hold Mo accountable? <laughs> I can only give you my opinion, which I do all the time. But you wait. You wait by your radio or your cell phone every day. If Anthony doesn't say the Cardinals should fire Mo, I'm going to tweet him again. <laughs> I am going to write a letter. <laughs> could you imagine, guys, could you imagine DeWitt in his office or on his private jet thinking to himself, damn it, if Anthony Stalter holds Mo accountable, he's gone. <laughs> Come on. I'll give you my opinion on it. Do I think they had a great offseason? No. Would I have signed Carlos Rodon? Yes. Does Car- did Carlos Rodon want to be here? I have no idea. Would I have signed one of the 8 billion shortstops over the last two years and free? Yes. I don't control <laughs> that, guys. I don't, know. I don't know what to tell you. Same guy all the time. Will we actually hold him accountable? <laughs> What the hell are you talking about? Oh I can't hold myself accountable. How the hell am I going to hold John Mosellock accountable? I'm a disaster. You want me to hold John Mosellock accountable? Oh, man. You better hold him accountable. Come on. All right, there you go. One of the greatest rants ever. I can't hold myself accountable. I'm a disaster. All true. All right, that'll do it for us today. Jamie Rivers, I'm Andrew tears. Marsh, I'm Anthony Stalter. We appreciate you tuned in. We've got instant replay from 6 to 7. We'll be back tomorrow at 2 o'clock. See ya. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.